Hello and welcome to episode 257 of the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. I'm Manny Manuel. Oh, hi. <laughs> I'm here too. Unreal. The infamous motion. <laughs> you are infamous around these parts, actually. Yes. I should be. Do you know yeah. that Manny does a fair amount of um, complaining isn't doing it? It's not quite the right characterization to call it complaining. But you, you, get, you get a fair amount of flack thrown at you. Oh, I throw you under the bus a lot. Yeah. I, I'm fully aware. Every, I just, I feel it in my soul every time you talk bad about me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably a constant feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why do I feel so bad all the time? <laughs> it's because Manny's still talking about me. Yes. <laughs> There's a constant knife in my back. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in your front. I say it to your face too. Yes, it's true. Yeah. It hurts less when you say it in my face. <laughs> Well, welcome back, Mushhead. We are very happy to have you, as always. Oh, I'm happy to be back. Can't yeah. help but notice you didn't bring your pottery wheel. That's uh, oh. necessary for for today's episode. For today. Before we get into the rest of the episode, we do have someone to thank, though, besides Mushhead for showing up. We have Abby to yes. thank for last week's episode. Totally. Yeah. Why can't I already remember what movie we did last week? Holy shit. Edward Scissorhands. I need to get some <clears throat> sleep, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We reviewed Edward Scissorhands with uh, with Abby. It yeah. was a very fun podcast. That was fun. Abby was definitely tired by the end. She started to fade. And recording a podcast late in the night is hard. Yeah. You work eight hours plus at a job all week. Then you go record a podcast after the fact. Yeah. You need to be fresh. And you have to endure me for three hours. Yeah. You're gonna be sleeping. That's why by the there's end a bin full of empty Coke cans in your uh, in your kitchen? Very much times. so. Yeah, I have brought Coca-Cola and candy. I'm fine. Oh <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Edward Scissorhands? Mushroom? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love Edward Scissorhands. So yeah. Cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a good time last week. We did have a good time. Before we get into some of the episode, we're gonna talk about Mushy's past on the podcast. Oh. Just the past on the podcast. I yeah. Believe. Oh, thank yeah. goodness. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just the past so the anyway, this was what Mushy's high school experience was like. <laughs> Not Tell us about work. your first kiss. That's right. Who was your first kiss? Oh, that was on the radio today. Today's like National Kissing Day or something oh. like that. What? Yeah. Shit. And so Emmy was asking. I didn't, I didn't kiss anybody today. Oh. I'm going to kiss you later. Okay. Wicked. So my daughter was asking me um, about like first kisses and stuff like that. Not today. This was the other day. Okay. So today on the radio when they were talking about like how was your first kiss? Who was it? Where was it? How old were you? Um, it obviously made me remember mine and it was so adorable. Do you know who it was? Yeah. Who is I don't, it? Am I allowed to say names? Hell yeah. Like, nobody's going to. I don't even we know. We have like 10 listeners. Nobody's... Would it be crazy if he was one though? It'd be amazing. So his name was Thomas Heathfield. Don't know him. No. Um, we were eight, nine. Whoa. Like just wow. we were... start on me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I had a crush on him. He had a crush on me. We went to daycare together and we were out in the playground. And you know those like giant tire wheels um, where you could like go in and yep. like climb through them or whatever. And they like cut them in half. Yep. Um, I know Sam might not. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Sorry, I, I, do I know about what? The giant. They used to make playgrounds out of tires. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, they had those at my uh, my elementary school. Okay, when I, when okay. I was there. Cool. Yeah, there are definitely some tires. Just there. checking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember. Just checking. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that I'm old enough that you still remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can hang with the olds. <laughs> 
so anyways it was in there and i was like playing in there with one of my little friends um and then he came in and they're like "Ooh, they're gonna kiss and then he kissed me and it was so cute but it was like literally just like a and that was it yeah and it was much much later until like high school when yeah i had like a boyfriend and and all that stuff so it was very sweet very innocent it was it was cute i wasn't expecting to have this conversation i'm glad we did though i I, (laughs) me too i context honestly can't remember my first one yeah there's been too many over the years right you stud (laughs) hardly um but yeah i i have an idea on who it is but i don't think that's right so no i i sadly can't remember my first kiss i know i know Sam? I'm going to elect to not name the person. Fair. Uh, but I, I did not. Like, eight years old? That's that's well, that's early for me. Like, like grade three? Because I, I was still in daycare. That's eight. Wow. So, yeah. No, I, uh, 14. 14 for me. Yeah. Yeah. I was not always the uh, the suave, smooth talker you see before you, you know? <laughs> was, uh, there was some late blooming going on. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, oh, hold on. Hold on trying to remember what movie we were watching this was a movie date of sorts Ooh, was a that's steamy. a serious this kiss. Is a, it was like a kiss kiss i'm trying to remember what movie it was i want to say it was a horror movie it usually was i want to say it was the awful the hills have eyes oh that is awful yeah i'm gonna go with that that's, okay that's my new headcanon of what what um, actually happened all right yeah i like it um other than it being the first uh the movie and the kiss unmemorable <laughs> uneventful fair enough i'll leave it at that fair <laughs> enough back to mushy or sam do you know what number of appearance this is for you three three did you know that sam i think so but like verbal verbally i don't know like what what episode are we on 200 and what 57 yeah so probably 256 yeah yeah you've been on a lot of episodes <laughs> without your knowledge sam can you name the two movies that she has done god did i already do this or did i do that for abby you did it for abby okay so i the first guess i had for abby i think was tombstone which was wrong correct because mushy was on that episode yeah <laughs> the second one i think is gonna be harder mm-hmm. because you earlier, you or? were not here yeah oh. i was filling in she stepped slacker. in for you yeah i know yeah. I, have, I have a life outside this podcast, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I wish I didn't. Unlike me. I wish I didn't. I wish I was just here all the time. Wish I, I wish you were here all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, it might be kind of tough. Do you think a hint would help? Or was mm. it? it was probably 1992. One. Okay. 91? I don't know. No. When I, when I took last summer I like off, that we he's doing looking at me like I'm Because I came remember. back for Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, <clears throat> which is 92, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. It's 90. It's 92. So I'm not totally Am I sure. right? Hold on. Where am I looking here? Okay. Was this a movie that you liked? Yes. And, oh, yes. And you elected to hop on? Oh, 100%. Because I know there were some where people just like, oh, I'll take this one. So like- Tombstone and the movie, the second movie that I reviewed have a common inter- interest. That's not the right word. Common, char- not character, common... Actor? Theme. Actor, I No, guess. They, they do? Well, in a roundabout way. <laughs> what? Oh, I see what you're getting at. That's and not I was a, confused further. Not a good clue. <laughs> okay. Um awesome. This movie So is it 91 or 92? It's a, Oh god damn it. It's a Let's see. Where's 90? Uh My guess is 91. It is a 92. 
Um, okay. Killer soundtrack. Is it, is it Aladdin? No. It is a movie uh, starring an actor I fucking adore. Also me. He, he it's a he. Um, Looks it, great in jeans. Okay, I'm going to have to say Kevin Costner. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the jeans. Yeah, okay, Kevin Costner for sure. Um, I don't. It is a movie you have not seen. Yeah, 92 Costner, I, I'm not totally sure. I would have loved to have you on this episode. Like, I was. This is one of the ones that you, were, that you missed that hurt my heart because it would have been a lot of fun. I, I honestly can't remember what his 92 effort was. It's okay. You... This the song. Oh, um, bodyguard. Yes. Correct. Okay. I'm gonna be like, do you know who the queen of the night is? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. I. So just to clarify, you it broke your heart that I couldn't be on there because the movie's terrible. <gasps> no. No. You would think it's terrible. Okay. Which would have made it fun because I like the movie. Okay. I also like. She the movie. loves the movie, yeah. so it would have been a very enjoyable hearing you talk about the bodyguard. Almost same level Roadhouse. <laughs> Almost. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about Roadhouse? Have we talked about this before? I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay, thank God. <laughs> Keep it that way. You're watching you're one Roadhouse of the lucky, next You're one of the night. lucky ones. You're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> Don't let him. Patrick Swayze is a bouncer at a bar who kicks ass? <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. fucking nice. Shut your mouth hole, <laughs> Pacific Rim boy. Okay. All right. What is the average meta score of Mushy's two films? Uh, I know it. I know the bodyguard is low, and then we had Tombstone as well, which actually I think, if I recall, was also shockingly low, lower than any of us wanted. I'm gonna say it's like forty. Forty. Oh, are you talking about the way I? No, the average meta score. So the critics' rating. Not the Musha score. Not the Musha score, which we'll get to later. Yeah. Five stars on the Musha meter nationally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, is it a percentage or? It is out of a hundred. Oh, okay. Um. 38. Cool. You're closer. It is 44.5. I was going to say 45. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, that is the lowest meta score on any PFG. Oh! <laughs> hey, I've got great taste in movies. By a, <laughs> by a lot. Actually, you won't actually be elevated that much by this movie today. Nope. <laughs> well, <clears throat> what do you think the average letterbox score is? So letterbox, as all three of us are on there, is the fans of the film. So do you think the fans have as much of an opinion of the or as low as an opinion of these movies as the fan as the critics do so letterbox i'm gonna put a 3.2 out of 5 3.2 what do you think i also 3.2 it is 3.5 these these films are beloved they are beloved by fans because that would that would equal a 70 meta score all right which what's the mushy average rating on your two films four no no higher five lower Four and a half? Three point five. What? Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you think the average rating for Sam is? He's only seen one of them. No. Um two point five? No, the only one he's seen is oh, is, is Tombstone. Is Tombstone. Four? Correct. Yeah. Good work. What's my average rating on the two films? four? Three point five. I didn't think you did half though. No, because well, I got I, an average between two. Bodyguard, oh. bodyguard got three and uh, Fair Tombstone enough. got four. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. So that's not bad. Not bad. We we that's, like the movies. That's solid numbers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also forgot to say that the average letterbox score on the two films that you've are also the lowest amongst the PFGs. Yeah, whatever. 
Now, before we get into uh, a couple other things, we finally got a response to our Spotify question. Wow, it only took weeks of begging. Weeks of begging. <laughs> now, I don't even think you're aware. Do you no listen? Idea. You don't listen to the podcast that often. Not that often. Okay. Yeah. If you listen to it on spot on Spotify, if you go to the episode, click on the episode. There's a question on every episode Ooh. that you can answer, and I've been begging people to answer, and we finally got one. It was on the Home Alone episode. Uh, what is your favorite Christmas movie? And we got a response from a PFG. Nice. Of course did. <laughs> was it Rachel? It was Jordan. Oh. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for answering, Jordan. And Jordan's response to her favorite Christmas movie. Hold on. Wait. Okay. It, does she actually name the movie? Three of them. I feel like I She should... says it's a solid tie. Okay, I'm going to say, oh. knowing Jordan. Jordan, are you listening? Uh, Elf? N- nailed it. Uh, I assume she considers The Nightmare Before Christmas to be a Christmas movie. Nailed it! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this last one, if you get, I will be impressed. Uh, I don't think it's Die Hard. I don't think it's A Wonderful Life. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street? No. Now, she doesn't state which version this is because this has been remade. Oh, I and it's like a movie not. that you like. Hmm. I, it's not Miracle on 34th Street. No. Cause, oh, um, uh, Christmas Carol. No. No. Fuck. It's Little Women. Oh. Okay. Yeah. i think it's a little early in the year to crack open the what is a christmas movie conversation so yeah okay that's fair yeah (laughs) thank you so thank you so much jordan for answering the question that i was so ecstatic when i opened it up to check if there were any questions and i saw a reply i was super excited so if anybody else is listening if you go on Spotify, I post a question with every episode. If you answer, I promise to read it on air. This is so exciting. <laughs> but she's going on her phone right now. <laughs> totally You're on yeah. every episode anyways. I talk about you constantly. <laughs> yeah, but now I can answer questions. <laughs> um, before, again, um, there is a – every once in a while we have a segment on the show where we pay respects to somebody that has passed in the industry. And an actor – who had a, a really long run, uh, a very kind of successful career, but never acha- uh, sorry, achieved like stardom or anything like that. He, I wish I should have looked up. He was on a TV show that had a pretty long run. Um, the person that passed away was Treat Williams. Um, he, has, he, had, he, was, he was in two movies in two roles that I really appreciated. Um, do you have it there? Uh, his Wikipedia page says he's best known to television audiences yep. uh, as uh, Dr. Andy Brown on Everwood. Everwood, thank you. Yeah, in my I knew the in my mind I wanted to say Picket Fences, but I know that's not his show. Then it also lists two films in 1979, which maybe I don't say the title of yet. In uh, case that's not the ones I'm going to pick. In 79 is the one that he's most famous for, in my opinion, uh, is a movie called Dead Heat. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's not listed. What do they have? Uh, Sorry, they do have Dead Heat later on down the page. Oh, actually, you know what? It doesn't even say that he's most famous for these. It says he came to prominence with his appearances on the 1979 films Hair and 1941. Okay. Yep. Um, The two films that I want to uh, highlight for him in his filmography that means something to me, um, I'll go in ascending order, is this movie that is was a result of the Pulp Fiction phenomenon. 
Uh, this movie is called Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. He played a character called Critical pa- Critical Bill. I See how I almost say Critical Paul? Yeah. I know he's not listening, but an old friend of mine, Paul Houle, we both love this movie. And there is this really great, um, I don't know, oh, catchphrase in this movie where it is about a, <clears throat> a group of criminals – who get together and, and all this stuff happens. I won't get into it. But every time they see each other, they greet each other. I think they either greet each other or, they're, or they say goodbye. They say goodbye by saying boat drinks. And it means when we get old, we're all going to get on a boat together and we'll celebrate with boat drinks. Mm-hmm. So that's how they say goodbye. Nice. And Paul, yeah. And so Paul and I used to say that to each other every time we'd say goodbye. We used to work together at, at Turbo and be like, boat drinks drinks buddy and i cool. fucking loved it the movie's the movie's definitely entertaining it has an amazing fucking cast off the top of my head andy garcia christopher lloyd steve buscemi treat williams and i think there's one or two other really good actors in that movie um but he plays uh, a character called critical bill who is kind of like the unhinged crazy person in the group who kind of you can you can rely on to help get you out of trouble, but he's probably the person that got you into trouble in the first did, place. Yeah. yeah. Did you say Christopher Walken? I didn't. Is he in it too? Yeah, he's in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a definitely. I own it. Like I, I, it was on sale for five bucks digitally, so I bought it instantly. But I still haven't rewatched it yet. I'm I'm kind of excited to. Um, and then this other movie, he plays the lead character named John Finnegan in a movie called Deep Rising. Now, Deep Rising is a hmm a horror action comedy um it's by Steven Summers Steven Summers is the director of uh The Mummy with Brendan Fraser hmm. he made Steven Summers made a couple other movies that I really enjoyed so this was before The Mummy this movie's a lot of fun it is if you ever catch it on streaming <clears throat> sorry pardon me 100% worth checking out it is set on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean where these people are i think they're coming to do a heist on the ship but the exact same time yeah treat williams i know oh i just googled him yeah i recognize um he at the exact same time that these people are trying to rob this uh cruise ship it is attacked by a massive sea monster and it is a lot of fun um treat williams as the main character john finnegan is incredibly charming he's like i hate to i hate to use this way but he's like a poor man's harrison ford Hmm. i was just gonna say yeah yeah he's super charming in this movie um if anybody out there is listening and you want to watch just an enjoyable action horror comedy deep rising is 100 percent worth checking out um i'm really excited to rewatch it eventually i i don't know what year it came out but um, it's one uh, 98, yeah. 98 perfect. Then when I, when we get to 98, it'll be on my watch list. Cool. We probably won't review it, but I might be tempted to just because it's so much fun to, uh, I recognize the names of three members of this cast in deep I rising. Think. Yeah. Well, West studies one. Yeah. Uh, is it Famke Janssen? Yep. Um, I'm he, not, I, this guy's like fucking 12th build. So I bet he just only has a bit part. Okay. Uh, Jaimon Hunsu. Oh wow, I don't remember his part. Yeah. <clears throat> Devo. Okay. Oh. Okay. 
I know what happens. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Well, black guy in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, isn't oh, if I'm not mistaken, isn't the isn't the warden from Shawshank in that movie as well? Uh, what's the actor's name? Oh, um, is it Bob? Nope. I'm not gonna. Anyways, whatever. He'd be near the top. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. I could I, be. Wrong. I don't. Uh, I don't see anyone. Okay, um, but yeah, I just wanted to pay my respects to Treat Williams. Uh, like we said, every once in a while, somebody passes uh, that means something to us in this industry, and we just like to pay our respects. So, uh, boat drinks. Boat drinks. <laughs> boat drinks, Cheers. Treat Williams. Boat okay, um, let's get into what we've been watching. Sam, you've been uh, watching some films. I have been. Yeah. Films with a capital F. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, first one I just want to talk about really briefly. I have talked about it on the show before, but... It's a good, light, short one for for everybody to enjoy. Uh, I think everybody in this room, I know you've seen it. I assume you've probably seen it. Uh, 2004 comedy, Mean Girls. Oh, I love (laughs) Love Mean Girls. Uh, Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics, the A-list girl click at her new school, until she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of Alpha Plastic, Regina George. I am so impressed every time I watch this damn movie um, by a lot of things. One of them is uh, Rachel McAdams as Regina George is so fucking believable. I think this is the same year as The Notebook. Yeah, I read that too, and that blew me away. Yeah, same year as The Notebook, just two vastly different people. I think it's kind of ironic that Rachel McAdams has, in my opinion, kind of been typecast as the character from The Notebook, just kind of the good girl, the love interest. Like, um, I don't want to use the term Mary Sue type because it's a little bit, uh, like... Uh, reductionist i guess yep. it's like not quite as simple as that but for lack of a better term just like a mary sue type um so i love that she was uh in spite of that casting she uh, completely knocks it out of the park as regina george i think everybody went to school with a regina george everybody knows this person who's the alpha who's a bit of a psychopath who's a two-face mm-hmm. uh like the characters in this movie are all just so relatable um I, I don't know. I, I've I've gone back to this movie several times over again. Um, I was also really impressed this time by the performances of... Hold on. I just want to get the... Lacey Chabert as Gretchen Wieners. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And her and Amanda Seyfried and or Seyfried as uh, Karen Smith, they have... like Every time they open their mouths, mm-hmm. they make me fucking die laughing. Yeah. Um, what's your experience with this cringe, movie? Cringe inside, but yeah. also die laughing. Yeah. yeah. What's What's your experience with the oh movie? Oh my goodness, like? I haven't watched this movie in so long, but it's one of those, and I hate to say it, like cult culture. Like, yeah. it's, like it's one of those movies, right? Yeah, like, this is completely, I think this is now considered mm-hmm. like a classic 2000s comedy. I don't yeah. necessarily know if it was at the time. I, I wasn't quite old enough to really like be in the know at yeah. the time. I was like seven when this came out, but mm-hmm. it feels to me like it's kind of taken over after the fact yes it's oh like it's huge big yeah. time nostalgia piece yeah like where we wear pink on wednesdays oh yeah on wednesdays we were pink yeah um, october 3rd yeah. is now uh mean girls day yeah man it's a shame about Lindsay lohan i know <laughs> like it's a shame i mean i don't mean that as an insult to her it's just like i can't believe after this that she just like really kind of fell off the fell face apart. of the earth yeah which is which is really too unfortunate yeah um, there's also i mean there's so many the side characters in the film are so good i've always loved uh tina pay and tina fey rather and amy poehler mm-hmm. are both super funny there's a, an actor in the movie who plays the principal whose name is uh, tim meadows as mr duvall 
is a comedic actor who shows up in things from time to time that I really like. I love him in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. He's one of the funniest characters in that movie. Um, but yeah, like it's a hour and a half long movie full of hilarious side characters, relatable situations. Everything feels totally realistic, even when um, people are fighting like jungle creatures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything feels Wild totally cats. realistic. And this is just, it, it's one that I, I love coming back to. It's, it's so fucking good. Um, Manny, what's your experience like with Mean Girls? Uh, I don't revisit it very often. Uh, I was, I remember the first time I watched it, I was surprised at how good it was. Mm. And it's one of the many films that, oh, God damn it, uh, that showcased Lindsay Lohan's talents that are sadly wasted mm -hmm. by, sadly, her poor life choices. Uh, it breaks my heart to see, to see her in, the, in these films, to see the talent that could have been. Uh, she would just be, like, hitting her prime right now as an actress. And sadly, she uh, she just made some poor decisions, and, and her life went down a pretty dark path. I, I, I hear that she's on the road to recovery and trying to work again, but uh, whatever it is, uh, I wish her the best. Um, but, yeah, this movie was infinitely better than I expected going into it. I agree. Rachel McAdams is phenomenal. Um, uh, sorry, is it Regina George? Is yeah, that right? Yeah. She's absolutely unreal. And I agree with you again. I, I wish she'd taken more roles like this. And But yeah, she did get typecast as the nice girl where she should have been typecast as the incredibly charismatic bitchy leader. Um, yeah, I, I had a good time with this movie. I haven't seen this movie in well over 10 years. Probably do for a rewatch. It, it, is, it is really worth rewatch i think it's held up exceptionally well um i'm just trying to look up what else kind of what tina fey has been up to recently um her character's fine miss norbury she doesn't really get a whole lot of comedic stuff to do but tina fey was a writer on the film and i don't really see any other writing credits for her which is a real shame because wow. the dialogue and the plot like the dialogue is super zippy and the plot is she um, is I wasn't she a writer on 30 rock yeah yeah okay that's true that's true. She was a writer on Thirty Rock. I was. So I was just, just looking in films. So she's but. just soaking up the residuals, then. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She hasn't really needed to work. So yeah. Anyway, uh, Mean Girls got a four from me. Not a surprise. Um. Let us see. Okay. Moving on from Mean Girls, yep. I'm gonna go with. Okay. We're talking about this one off air. Uh, I'm excited to hear everyone's thoughts on this. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. In 1936, archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis can obtain its awesome powers. Um, huh. Mushad was saying off air that you think this is your first watch top to bottom. Yeah. I wasn't sure going in for me. Uh, this is not one I ever remembered sitting down to watch front to back, but it's such a famous movie, so many famous parts. I wasn't really sure. In sitting down to watch it, I'm pretty sure this is my first full watch, top to bottom. I'm that was like sure. me last week with Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exact same situation. Um, still so much damn fun, in yeah. my opinion. This is... Fuck yes. It's easy, I think, to underestimate the charm of this movie because, uh, I don't know, I feel like this has been homaged and ripped off so many times, as is often the case with these super famous genre-defining movies, mm -hmm. but I had such a damn good time all of the moments that you've come to know 
um, you know, the boulder rolling rolling behind him and him trying to weigh the sandbag as, as mm-hmm. he removes the idol. I always thought that that happened at the end of the movie. And yeah. so when it happened in the beginning, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense because I'm just picturing like little kid me running around, my parents watching this movie, mm-hmm. getting bored and just like fucking off, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I thought that it was the whole movie. <laughs> it's like the first 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Like all all of those, and then like the the swordsman scene where he where he shoots the swordsman, uh, Marion drinking the guy under the table. Like there's there's, yeah. there's endless scenes that I think I had seen all of these pieces before, but I had never really seen them uh, tied together mm-hmm. per se. Uh, so I was really elated to see that the plot holds up exceptionally well. One of the things I've always loved about Indiana Jones, the parts that I had seen anyway, is that. The film is not shy about beating the shit out of him. <laughs> you know, Steven Spielberg knows how to do action. And I think it knows the key to a good action hero is to make him feel vulnerable and to make him feel like he could really die at any point. Like, any of these things could crush him. One of these poison darts could hit him in the neck. One of this uh, boulder could roll him over. This giant person who he's having a fist fight with by an airplane could just knock his face in at any time. Um, and it does a really good job of making him feel like a vulnerable real person. Sorry, Mushy, I know you watched this this week as well, so I'd be curious to know your initial thoughts on the thing. Um, oh my gosh, my initial thoughts. Who knows about those? But I <laughs> totally agree with you with the vulnerability because the whole time I'm watching this um, and you see that side of indie um, come out and it just it made me connect with the movie so much more that, yeah, this is... he's he's a real person this could really happen you know these situations as outlandish as they are you know you you invest in the character i had a blast watching this um i even enjoyed so much the super cheesy um like visual effects that they had um yeah it was 1981 yeah (laughs) are you talking about like the faces melting at the end yeah oh my gosh the faces melting like crayon um and then still fucking terrifying honestly (laughs) yes that traumatized me as a kid, by the way. Really? Yeah. I'm six I could... years old. Oh, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, I could see that as a kid. That would be pretty, pretty something. Um, but yeah, and then like the the ghosts, the ghosts, yeah, flying around, and yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I liked it. I had a lot of fun. I fucking love that movie. I love that movie. Uh, it is one of the many films that just support the idea or whatever you want to call it, that Harrison Ford is a superstar. It His charm and charisma in that movie is undeniable, and the man is delicious to look at. He is fucking handsome. He is beautiful. Yes, he's very handsome. I'll, I forgot how good-looking he... Because like, he's very good-looking now, yeah. but like as a, a, as a young, young man, adult. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the things I've enjoyed about going back in time and watching older movies is seeing the young the younger versions or people in their prime... Like, an example of someone who is devastatingly handsome, uh, young, is Robert Redford. Holy Mm -hmm. fuck. That guy is handsome. Uh, Raiders is an absolute blast. It is all the praise that is heaped upon it is worthy, which is nice when when you watch a movie that has such a legacy ahead of it. When you finally watch it, you're you're almost kind of hesitant. You're like, is this going to be as good as people say? And then it is. I always love it when that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of Raiders, 
Have you ever heard of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the adaption? The adaptation, sorry? No. No? There's a documentary on it. If you guys like the movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you should watch this documentary. Um, it is a um, shot, four shot, full remake of the movie that took seven years to make between three friends. Started out as teenagers, and so they made the whole movie completely the same with what they had available to them as normal people. Oh, wow. So they have, and the documentary, I'm not really spoiling anything, but the documentary, the hardest shot for them to do was obviously blowing up a plane because they are normal. They're not millionaires. They are just three friends who decided to try and remake Rare's Lost Ark. And it took them seven years. They started as teenagers and it ends when they're adults. So throughout the movie, because it's not shot in sequence, their age changes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But it is an absolutely fantastic um, watch. Um, I think I think it is called Riz Lost Ark, the adaptation. Yeah, I, I see the, uh, the same thing. Yeah, it is. If you ever get a chance to watch it, please. It is... If you started, like, started by three twelve-year-olds, twelve-year-olds, and, com- and completed over a period of six years. Yeah. Wow. Um, it is all about someone falling in love with movies mm. and wanting to capture that magic themselves, uh, and having friends that were willing to take the time and effort and over six years to help them complete their dream. It is one hundred percent worth watching. Oh, cool. that's super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, uh, that's, that probably wraps that up on yeah. Raiders. I gave it a five. Nice. Personally. Actually, oh, do I don't know it? if did, I rated it. I think I kept it a secret. I think you and did keep forgot. it a secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always, I, occasionally if I know that I want to talk about a movie on the podcast, I will withhold. The I see that. I see that all the time. I'm like, oh, Sam, watch something. Oh, he didn't rate it. Interesting. Guess we're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'll rate it right now. I'm going to, Ugh. Oh, pressure's on. So you know me. I change my ratings all the time. I do like the initial, and then if there's, especially with a movie like this, if there's more after I've completed the whole set, then I'll go back and like rate them. Like, "Mm, was this one the best one? Sometimes a movie can retroactively change your opinion on the rest. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Mm. So I'm (laughs) going to do a four and a half. I'll take it. All right. I'll take it. But I also hearted it. I saw that. Okay. I don't know. That's the one thing about Letterboxd. That I don't think I'm using correctly. The the heart. I I just kind of heart everything three and up. I heart everything four and up, unless a three was something I enjoyed enough to give it more than a three. Mm-hmm. One of my friends uh, only hearts, like, absolute tippy-top favorites. Nice. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Use yeah. Letterboxd how you see fit, except for Mushy, who was doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we all know who's doing it wrong, and she was a previous guest. Oh, Abby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not doing it at all is, <laughs> is certainly a way of doing it wrong. I know. I need to make a bet with Abby to get her logging because I'm about to win that bet with Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> Are the stakes simply just to... Nope. The st- I don't... The stakes were in my favor. If he lost the bet, I, he has to watch three films of my choosing and start logging his films on Letterboxd. Right. If I lost the bet, I had to watch three films of his choosing. Which we're all probably going to be Transformers. Probably. I I have no idea. Or everything with Channing Tatum. Most likely. (laughs) Most likely. I wonder what he would have chosen. Because he has, I would say, a less than 1% chance of winning that bet. Oh, yeah. Like, I I don't think there's any percent chance at all. Well, I can't say there's no chance, but Mm -hmm. the the chances are less than 1%. Yeah, I think there's certainly less than 1%. Yeah. 
if you took the same bet right now, what is it? It's uh, the new Transformers release having a Letterboxd rating of 4? 3.5. 3.5 or up. It's currently sitting at 2.8. 2.8. Everybody so go on Letterboxd, rate the new Transformers honestly, higher than 4. Honestly, if every single person who <laughs> listens to this podcast went and rated it a 5, it would not approach a 3.5. It's... I think it's I think it's done. Hey, we got Halloween Town on the Halloween episode, so I feel yeah, like there's we... a chance. <laughs> there was strategy behind that <laughs> on Sam and I's part. Let that be a lesson that if people put their minds together and they work together and they have a vision, they can inflict great pain on their friends. Yes. Great horrible things on their friends. <sighs> Whatever. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> All right, what's the last movie Next you want to talk up. about? We continued yes. the Indiana Jones. Oh, right. We are doing the entire series, by the way, me, Emma, and Faith. Cool. We're going to do the entire series. So I figure we got, uh, we watched two, and I figure we got one more good one left before going to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, unfortunately. Okay. Um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yes. I watched it you did. kind of with you. Yeah. I was so excited. I was looking for something to watch, and then you posted your watch, and I'm like, oh, that is exactly, exactly, it. Yeah. exactly what I was in the mood for. Okay. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Sorry, let me scroll back to it. Um, in 1935, Indiana Jones is tasked by Indian villagers with reclaiming a rock stolen from them by a secret cult beneath the catacombs of an ancient palace. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to learn this is a prequel. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know it took place before Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, this was scarier than I expected it to be. <laughs> Holy shit. Like this. Have you seen this? I don't know. Okay. I feel like I have because it's Indiana Jones, but... This is one I was confident I hadn't seen. Yeah. uh, And I was correct. Uh, I've seen this referenced in so many things. What was the year on this again? 84? 84. 84? Same year, yeah. 84. Okay. So you're what? You're less than 10 years old? I'm nine. Yeah. Yeah. Turning nine. So I would have been eight when this came out. Yeah. Holy shit. And yeah, as an eight... Did you watch this as an eight-year-old? Sure did. Dude, did it scare you shitless? Sure fucking did. Kalima... Kalima. I saw this. I saw this in theaters. Wow. And what was what was that like? Scary as fuck. <laughs> Scary as fuck. I saw this before Raiders. The effects look so real. The uh, the ripping the heart out of the chest. Yep. Uh, yeah. All the practical effects look scary. The pit. Uh, yeah. So much of this is just is just so wrong. There are as is not the case i think with raiders whereas i think raiders is a near perfect adventure movie yes there are things i didn't like about temple of doom but mm-hmm. they're still minor in particular the the female i'm gonna use the air quotes love interest um there was never really any indication i think of romantic love it, they maybe tried to get some sexual tension in there i'm not totally sure how you would define it do you know who she is i don't interesting um i'm looking you don't have to look i'll tell you who it is okay this is where she met her husband. Oh. They are still married to this day. She's married to Steven Spielberg. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Kate Crazy. Capshaw? Kate yeah. Capshaw. Interesting. They met on this movie. He was going through a divorce. That's why this movie's so dark. Hmm. Is Spielberg was going through a pretty messy divorce. And, yeah, they met, fell in love, and they are still married to this day. Yeah, she's not very good in this movie. No, she's not a good actress. No. But uh, but she's a good love interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. She's she is weak. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, um, she is weak. Her performance is fairly over the top and cartoony mm-hmm. at times. But uh, I'm in in retrospect now, I'm fine with it because of the happiness she has brought my boy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I 
I'm very happy for Mr. Spielberg. Uh, the film is overall a great continuation. A really solid sequel. Not everything is to be liked about it. Oh, Short Round is fucking awesome. Kiwi Kwan. I knew that Kiwi Kwan was going to be in this movie. I was really excited to see. I was kind of worried. Oscar winner. Oscar winner. Kiwi Kwan. <laughs> <laughs> is in the movie uh, i was worried at the character of short round that it wouldn't have aged that's well. fair i knew kind of the idea of the character i was really worried we were just gonna be walking into a racial stereotype and i mean it's like a bit there's like a bit of that there a but, little but like i didn't find it particularly problematic i don't think i never got the impression that they were making fun of him i i don't think there was any if anybody thinks that they were making fun of him i would love for them to point point to me where yeah because he's treated He's a, he's a psychic. He is Robin. Yeah. He's yeah. basically Robin. He's not he's not mocked in any way. They don't the only the only thing they could say that in my opinion where they could say that he they're making fun of him was his accent, but that's how he talks. Yeah. He it is English is his second language. Mm-hmm. And he is perfectly they don't ever play the joke of like what did you say? Mm-hmm. He his his English is works perfectly enough for this movie. I knew I was going to love him. I said this in the chat. I saw it. In the, in the first five to ten minutes, uh, they I think Indy is escaping from some imminent danger and yep. hops into a vehicle, which I think, if my memory serves, is being driven by yep. a short round. Short round is driving is it, yeah. like, what, ten years old in the movie? Tops. Tops. Maybe less, like eight years old. And short round turns around in the backseat and delivers the line, hold on to your potatoes. <laughs> And it's just so cute. It's great. Uh, so charming. And there's another line that I just want to point out. In uh, He keeps kind of... There's a, I wouldn't describe him as like a bumbling sidekick, but he's definitely not the most competent sidekick in the world. He's eight. Yeah. He's eight. He's uh, a kid. Yeah, he's a kid. Uh, so when he keeps like setting off these booby traps, <laughs> and Indy tells him, just go stand against the wall. And he goes and leans against the wall and sets off another one where the roof starts slowly coming down and about to crush them. Terrified me as a child, by the way. I bet. It made me a little claustrophobic. And I think in my head, before Indy can say anything, Short Round just turns one and points and said, You said (laughs) stand against the wall. You said to do that. (laughs) Instantly so defensive. Yes. He was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, Really great sidekick character. Great addition. Uh, the female love interest character, whose name I can't even be bothered to look up right now, uh, did not particularly care for. The sets were great. Indie was great. Action was great. It was 90% awesome. I'm going to give it 4 to 5. I thought so. Yeah. You haven't seen this? I feel like I have. Okay. At some point, again, it would, I'm pretty sure I've, I've seen all the Indiana Jones movies I know. Okay. Whether I've seen them from start to finish, I can't remember. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I love this movie. I, like I said, I saw this in theaters, so I'd seen this before I'd seen Raiders. Um, I loved this movie as a kid. Uh, yeah, the, the, the ripping the heart from the chest terrified me as an eight-year-old. The lava pit terrified me as a kid. The, the descending ceiling with spikes in it terrified me as a kid. The idea of having to stick your hand in a hole full of bugs terrified me. It was... This whole movie scared the shit out of me. But Short Round being pretty much the exact same age as me at that time, instantly one of my favorite characters. And, of course, it's it's Indiana Jones. And so I was head over heels in love with this movie as a kid. Yeah, 
love this movie. Fucking love this movie. It took more time than I actually anticipated it taking. <laughs> yeah, three movies. Three great movies. I had a great movie watching week. All right. Um, mushy. Mushy, I believe you're up. Ooh. Well, today. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also watched Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, I'm going to do the whole set as well, just because you both were talking about it the other day. And I was like, hey, I honestly can't remember watching these movies and they're phenomenal. So I've made the the decision. Um, So hopefully either maybe tonight or tomorrow I'll watch um, The Last Crusade, which will be fun. Oh, fuck um today though i finally bit the bullet and um watched spider-man into yeah the yep. spider-verse correct okay um wow like wow <laughs> i have not been so entertained by a movie like this in such a long time um it was just phenomenal. The animation, the character depth. It was just, it was so cool. Yeah, I just, I don't. This was my number one movie of 2018. Yep. This also made my top 10 of the decade, of the 2010s. Yeah. This movie blew my mind. This movie is exactly the same feeling I got reading comic books as a kid. They paid tribute to comic book lovers in that movie without being pedantic. They, the animation style, if you look at it, it has the little dots in it, which are similar to what they had to do with comics. Mm-hmm. They paid incredible tribute to people that pay attention to comics and all that kind of stuff. What boggles my mind is that this was made by Sony in association with Marvel. So Marvel can't do anything. They're, they just get to put their name on it. So Sony writes this kind of movie, and yet they continue to put out drivel like Morbius and Venom. Yeah. It boggles my mind how this studio can make something this fucking brilliant and put out the garbage that they do with the other Marvel properties that they own that sadly will never go back to Marvel. We talked about today. Yeah. Sony will never give up this cash cow. Ever. Why would they? There's no reason to. It's uh, it's literally allows you to print money. Venom was a piece of shit film and made almost a billion dollars. I think it made $800 million. And that movie is dog shit. So Sony's never giving up the rights. Back to this incredible film. Everything that they did was absolutely perfect. The humor was great. The animation was great. The characters were great. Everybody had enough time on screen to get you to invest in them. But Miles Morales just won my heart. Mm-hmm. He is a incredible character. He's one of the few I should well, I shouldn't say few. He's one of the many characters in the Marvel universe that I never read as a comic. I, I never got invested in the Miles Morales Spider Man. So seeing I only had a, a passive knowledge of him. Uh so this was kind of like my introduction and I love him. Mm-hmm. The movie has one of my, f- maybe one of my favorite shots of the decade as well. When he gets his spider suit and he's falling down oh, or he's falling upwards. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I thought uh, you were going to say the bagel. 
<laughs> the, the bagel the bagel is one of the highlights for me uh that made me laugh so hard in the theater and yeah i i i can't heap enough praise uh on this movie mm-hmm. I, I literally can't and i can tell you right now i think that the new one uh, across the spider-verse is better crazy have you watched the new one? Oh, yeah. I was okay, there opening yeah, night. I, I thought so. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. You Jordan went and then you quickly went. To, yeah. yeah. I wasn't going to I was going to kind of wait until this week to go because mm-hmm. this was like finally wasn't that busy. But I was like, fuck that. When yeah. I saw Jordan go, I'm like, I got to go. So growing up as a kid, I read the X-Men comics. Mm-hmm. I didn't really read like this, like Spider-Man and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So um, part of my ignorance, but like the the multiverse spider-mans are they all in the original comics like the peter porker and like all those guys all right so peter porker had there there was a comic book run called spider ham okay and i collected it for a little bit i only collected it i honestly can't remember anything i I just wanted to see how they were going to turn every character in the marvel universe into an animal and how how are they going to like i honestly can't remember but like dr doom might have been Doctor Doom, and mm. he's a duck. Whatever. Mm. I, I, that's all I cared about. I wanted to see the parody mm-hmm. because I was huge into Weird Al. Spider Man, who is already an insect, Maybe. getting turned into an animal. Yeah, Spider Ham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Spider Ham. Seems like a weird concept. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, so he had his own run. The noir Spider Man mm-hmm. um, with Nicolas Cage, not in comics, as far as I know. Um, <clears throat> the anime spider-man if she had a comic run it was after i stopped collecting which by the way would have been 20 plus years ago mm-hmm. gwen spider gwen mm-hmm. um she had she still has a comic run going oh, cool. and has become an incredibly popular character prior to the movies right i'm going to guess that the movies have only catapulted yeah. her popularity i understand i think she's getting her own movie as well from the studio Great. She may well be. They, I won't spoil anything, but she's a major focus of the sequel. Cool. A major focus. Um, so that, um, I never, I didn't, I didn't read Spider-Man a lot uh, growing up. There was a, there, there wasn't a lot of multiversal stories, um, even in the X-Men. They did a lot of outer space stuff, mm-hmm. but not a lot of multiverse stuff. But there was a very famous Spider-Man story arc that was very unpopular uh, amongst the fans, and it was it's called the Clone Saga, where somehow Peter Parker got cloned with like five other ones. So there was like six Spider-Man running around the city, and they all had kind of different costumes and different names and stuff like that. Some of the Spider characters in there, like like Miles Morales, is in the same universe as Spider-Man in oh, the okay. comics. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, spoiler alert for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, 3, 2, 1, go fuck yourself. Spider-Man dies. Mm. In the comics, I don't think he does. I think they're in there together. Oh, I was about to reveal. Is that a reveal? In the sequel, one of the main characters uh, is a uh, another Spider-Man. He's His comic was called Spider-Man 2099, I think. He's the Spider-Man in the future. Mm-hmm. He had his own comic, so he was real whether or not he's in a different in the comics whether he was in a different 
universe than ours or that's just the future universe i honestly can't remember so a lot of the characters uh back to uh into the spider-verse because i'm thinking of characters that are there's a lot more in across there's a lot more in across the universe uh am i missing anybody no i don't think so okay yeah so that's my recollection of the, the, the main spider people. Cool. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, I just want to say that... Uh, so, Beyond the Spider-Verse is being released in March of 2024. Yeah, huh? Wow, that's less than a year turnaround. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty ambitious. It's not ambitious. They originally... The sequel is supposed to be one movie. And then uh, they realized that like we have more than what we think. So, instead of trying to cram it into one... They split it into two. Cool. And they announced that last year. That's good, actually. I I really like that because I think the main problem with most trilogies is that you kind of already have your hero learning the lessons they needed to learn in the first two movies at some point. And there's not always a logical place to go thematically for the third one. And the exception to that, I know many... You may disagree about their how enjoyable they are, but I don't think you'll disagree about how cohesive they are as a trilogy, and that's Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, oh yeah, all I, being all the, being made at the same time. The Lord of the Rings trilogy, like I said, from a technical aspect, is great. It's yeah. incredible storytelling. I just find the movies boring as shit. Yeah. I, and I think you'd definitely agree that they're better off uh, having shot them all at the same time. Oh yes. Like, oh for sure. Having one cohesive vision. All, all that to say, I'm excited that there's a third movie coming out that was made with the second one in mind, like, in tandem. Um, Anyway, so that's coming out next year. And then, uh, in 2018, it was revealed that they were developing um, a movie focusing on uh, Gwen Stacy. Uh, In in May 2023, uh, producer Avi Arad stated the film would be titled Spider-Woman. So, we are getting a Gwen Stacy spinoff. I am fucking pumped. Yeah. Even more so after watching Across because she is a major part of that film. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna be excited for that. I uh, have not seen Across yet. Neither have I. I definitely share your enthusiasm for Into the Spider Verse. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was definitely wowed. The animation definitely a standout. Mm -hmm. That studio went on to make. Another very well animated film called Mitchell's vs. the Machines. I don't know oh, if you're really? aware of that yeah. movie. Um, it's also really good. And the animation in that movie is incredible. Um, it's not quite up to the level as Into the Spider Verse, because, not because it's a bad movie, but just like how could it be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, since since Into the Spider Verse came out, I I don't think anything has risen to that level. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I, I have very little to add about uh, Spider Verse, just that I'm very excited to see yeah Spider-verse. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else you've been watching um well obviously you and i and a bunch uh west and jordan are doing the marvel full rewatch yeah um super fun i'm We're always doing it in down the chronological for that order. yeah oh the, M- the mcu order that's mm-hmm. how that's how we did it yeah and by the mcu order you mean starting with uh the first avenger correct okay cool. yeah the mm-hmm. mcu timeline yeah. Is how we're order. That's how, how I did. Is how we're watching too. them. Mm-hmm. My rewatch. My rewatch took me two years, nearly a year. And a half. We're doing the shows too. Oh fuck! Good not luck. all. Not all of them. Just the pertinent ones, right? 
or you're sure. talking about like the we're Hawkeye not... spinoff, the Loki spinoff? Are you talking about? Yeah, those? we're talking yeah, about yeah. the Marvel shows, not right. the Netflix ones. Right. The Netflix ones, I said I would watch with you after I watch Agents of Shield with you. Wow. Right. Yes. Yes. Because there are some Agents of Shield episodes that pertain to the chronological order. I know. Anyways, it's my second time going through it all, um, so I'm very pumped. I could watch these all the time so i just I. love them i yeah. didn't mean to uh, cut you off what movie no, was it that's that okay. you were watching um so anyways yes we're doing though we're on thor we, we just, just finished yeah thor. we just finished thor we're waiting for i believe wes wes yeah hurry up wes. wes is holding us up right now classic he's too busy <laughs> watching rocky horror in class yeah i know <laughs> school I was. comes first and, and trying to get he's trying to watch all the scorsese films before he comes and joins us for goodfellas awesome oh that's super cool yeah that's really that's that's, a, that's quite ambitious. That's an undertaking. Yeah. And do we know got, what he's at for Letterbox this year? I'm gonna check his numbers right now. He, for, and he's got less than a month because he's here in a month to come on for Goodfellas, which I have confirmed with him. Nice. Oh, I'm really excited for that. He's gonna be here in person too, by the way. Fuck yeah! I love that. What's his name on Letterbox? But I can't find him. Who knows? Oh. Anyway, so those are my movies. Yeah, all good. Those are my movies. Um, and then I have absolutely fallen in love with Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. I know it's not a movie; it's a series. But he talks about shows all the time. Okay, good. Um, I watched all three seasons. Okay, I am not finished. That's fine. I'm not going to talk about the like the actual what happens. But I bawled on what I thought was the last episode. Because then every, it was released, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. They don't want to do it anymore. This might be the end. It might not be the end. So me thinking that the last episode was the last episode, I was so, like, sad, heartbroken, and I left it alone for probably, like, a week and a half. And then I went in to watch a different movie, and it was like, you have one movie pending. And I was like, what? What movie's pending? And I was like, what? Ted Lasso? There's another episode of Ted Lasso? And it was a series finale oh within the first five minutes i had like three soggy tissues because i was just like uncontrollably sobbing the joy that this like the series brings to my heart oh it's just beautiful i haven't it's it's been on my list of shows like i have um i just bought this computer so i have free apple tv right now yeah uh, and it's been on my list of like oh if i get some no. free time to myself watch it make free time you yeah but to. i don't have any <laughs> there's, but there's they're what 45 minute episodes the, yeah. and the first couple are like 30 minute episodes yeah it really intrigues it really strikes me as a it show is that i'm a really gonna like beautiful I, everything everybody's beautiful told me show. about the show i think i would really yes. like it i just haven't had time to watch it yet oh please make time sam oh my goodness please make time so anyways, I've watched all three and now I'm going back and I'm watching them again because you miss so much stuff um, and I just love them. Ted Lasso is one of the best shows I've ever watched. Yeah. It is so incredibly, I've told everybody this, it's so incredibly different from every other show because this show reminds me of what I like about Booksmart. This show is all about positivity. It is not about negativity. Ted Lasso and the people in the show are there to make you feel better. They're not there to knock each other down. They're there to build each other up. And this show is like a ray of sunshine in this world that we have today. 
the amount of joy watching this show brings is overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. I definitely have cried numerous times. I think I'm two episodes away from finishing it all. I really like to take my time with shows right now, watch one episode, stop, and take like at least three or four days to just sink it in and think about it. I found that I've started to really enjoy my shows a lot better that way. Um, I honestly can't heap enough praise on Ted Lasso. And there's so many aspects of it that are great. There are so many incredible characters. I, I just can't. I honestly just can't heap enough praise on this show. It is one of the best shows I've watched mm-hmm. easily in the last 10 years. I've started talking like a British footballer at work because um, we'll stand up and have to like yell across the room and I'm like, Oi! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. I, I have little doubt in my mind that you would like the show. Yeah. That you wouldn't like the show. Sorry. It's so good. Yeah. I, I should check how long I have free Apple TV for. A year. Think it's a year. That's what I got. Oh, mine was only three months. Oh. Yeah, when I bought after my you bought, after you bought something. No, yeah. well, I I'm an, I'm an Apple slave, unfortunately. Um, so when I bought my iPhone, it was three months. Yeah. It might be more for a MacBook. I'm not sure. Uh, wow. Yeah, I got a year when I bought my phone. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. How long did you get your iPhone? My how long did I have my iPhone before I bought one? No, like how long ago did you get your? Two years ago. Really? Oh, okay. Weird. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I only got three months for mine. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, I was just looking up, by the way, what Wes is at for movies this year. He's at, I think he was at 111. Sorry, I navigated away from his page. Ooh, that's, yeah. a, that's a lot. Good for Wes. Yeah. And then I went to Manny's. <laughs> You're a fucking <clears throat> animal, dude. Hold on. And I just lost you as well. Manny42. Yeah, you... Do you know how many movies Manny's watched this year? Keeping in mind, we're at the halfway point of the year. So roughly, let's call it 180 days into the year. And... It's more than Wes, I'm assuming? Yes. It's more than 111. 192? A good guess. Too low. That would be a solid guess, yes. Yeah. But Two, yeah so yeah. then 214? Yeah. 226. Wow. 226. How do you know mm-hmm. how many? Uh, on Letterboxd, if you just go to his front page, if you scroll down no, where it says films. How, does it tell me how many on mine? Yeah. Probably if you hit the little, uh, the little uh, my profile thing in the bottom right. And mm-hmm. scroll down to where it says like films, diary, reviews, lists. Oh. How many of you watched this year? Probably more than me if I was to guess. I haven't watched very many this year. Um, my diary is at 102. This year? Yeah. Oh, shit. I think? Yeah, you're way ahead of me. It should give you two numbers. It should give you all time and... Okay, films, yeah. Yeah. And diary. Damn. Yeah, I'm at like 52 or something like that. Not very many. That's I... all you've watched this year? Yeah, I've watched... 56. 56 films. We're at the halfway point. I think those are probably going to pick up after summer. Summer is not a very busy movie watching season for me. That's fair. A lot of gigs. Yep, yep. But even yeah, even the first half of the year, not not a lot. I, I did a little calculation, Manny, just for fun because I know you like stats. Oh, I do like stats. I calculated what you're on pace to watch <laughs> this year. Like I literally looked up what percentage of the year we're through and then used that to calculate what you're on pace to watch this year. Okay. Um, hold on. Hold on, hold on. So last year, what did I do? Three ninety six last year. Yeah, is that right? Uh, something like that. I'll just double check that. I remember being mad that you didn't hit four hundred. <laughs> being mad? Yeah. Uh, oh no, I did three. Uh, no, three ninety. Okay. I did three ninety last year. So I'm on pace to do 
476. I'm on pace to do 476 movies? Yeah. I don't think you're going to hit that, but I think you're, you're easily going to hit 400, like no question. Oh, I'm going to hit 400. You're easily hitting 400. Yeah. There's only one thing that could prevent me. Yeah. I think I know what that thing is. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I love movies. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing to me, man. Like I said, you have watched double the movies of Mushhead and Wes. Well, as many as the two of them combined. Yes. And they have each watched double the movies I have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, how do you guys have time for all this? This is crazy. I literally do a movie podcast. <laughs> I'm not yeah. approaching this. Anyway, uh, I also have, uh, I wasn't going to, I'm not talking about it, talking about it, but uh, I am currently doing a Rick and Morty rewatch with the people that I live with. That's yes. right. So, so that is occupying a good amount of my time right now, mm-hmm. which is fun. It's fair. Yeah, so that is what we've been watching. That's that's what you guys have been watching. Oh, sorry, you have not you have not partaken. Oh snap! Yet. Oh, yeah, shit. still my turn. Yeah, and I got four films I want to talk about. Oh baby, about. let's go. Okay, later. All right, on. the first film I went and spent Father's Day with my daughter and my mother, and we all went to a movie together. I didn't message you Happy Father's Day. What kind of a friend I am? Happy Father's Day, man. Thank You're you. Belated. Thanks. I'll take it. Cool. Uh, so the three of us went to see Pixar's latest movie, Elemental. Follows Ember and Wade in a city where fire, water, land, and air residents live together. I was excited for this because it's Pixar. But I'll be honest, Pixar hasn't really been wowing me lately, with the exception of maybe turning red. Soul? Yeah, Soul. But Onward, I didn't really like. Luca, I was lukewarm. Yeah. What? Yeah, you're fucking right. That movie blew, except for the end. Ugh. Yeah. I got a little tea. I actually watched Onward this week as well. Again, not mentioned. I love Onward. Yeah. No. As somebody He's... with a very good relationship with his older brother, the scene at the end where he realizes that mm-hmm. his, his older brother was like yeah. a father figure yeah. he never had made me very misty. Yeah. The end is great. The rest of the movie is no. horrible. Yes. I've easily watched Onward 10 times. That's I, I add, ask my That's daughter, sad. I'm like, can we please put it into O for Onward? Like, can we watch this movie? She's like, no. It's good for her. <laughs> That's right. That just made me fall in love with Emmy even more. Uh, Elemental. Um, this is mid to bottom tier Pixar for me. Oh, that's Aww. unfortunate. Still mid to bottom tier Pixar. Yeah. Still better than most most other films. But this movie is, if you're an adult, none too subtle in its messaging about uh, racism, bigotry, um... Uh, judging people by their ethnicity, <laughs> Air quotes. exclusion, um, stereotypes, all that. So if you're an adult, it is slapping you in the face with that. Not in a bad way, but it's not subtle. If you are a child, it is done perfectly because they're not going to quite see the illusions that they're referencing but they're going to understand the message that it's getting across. The problem I had with this is that one of the main characters, Wade, uh, the gentleman made of water, is uh-huh. annoying as fuck. I, okay, keep going. Sorry. I had a very hard time um, caring about him and hoping the best for him. I found him grating. 
Ember, I really enjoyed. Uh, the visuals on this movie are astounding. Once again, Pixar nails water. Like they did in Toy Story 4. Oh, yeah, big time. There's even more of it in here. <laughs> the... Um, the movie was fine. Like I said, I had a, a good enough time. It was really lacking that Pixar humor that I've come to expect from their films. But the ending nearly got me. It had an unexpected emotional impact on me that I wasn't anticipating considering my lack of love for the film i like i said i like the movie just fine I'll, I'll just tell you right now it got a three out of five for me it's a three but the ending hit me a little bit harder than i was ready for uh and i was like whoa i'm like i'm almost crying and i thought i didn't care apparently i did but it's visually stunning but it's mid to lower tier pixar for me three out of five for elemental this is one i'm gonna have to watch um yeah, I know. One of the people that I live with is like the biggest Pixar fan in the entire world. And I was just subjected to Cars 1, 2, and 3 for the first time, <laughs> which Sorry. are definitely lower tier Pixar. Yes, they are. Yeah, as agreed upon by uh, the movie chat, I believe. Or I the, believe the so. Movie draft, the debut movie draft back in the day. It yeah. wasn't me. It wasn't me. I love Cars. That's unfortunate. And once again, you uh, seal your title as the queen of bad taste. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I think I picked Cars 2 as the worst one. I hadn't even seen it. But yeah, I was just going off reputation. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be seeing this one. I hope I can see Spider-Verse first. Yeah, if you see this first, I weep for you. Yeah. I I'm going to be I'm going to be campaigning for Spider-Verse first. Yeah. As you should. Anyway. The next movie I want to talk about is a sequel to a movie that I really enjoyed. I only I did only give it a 3, but it was a movie I fucking loved. Uh, this is the sequel to 2019 Chris Hemsworth action film Extraction. This is Extraction 2. After barely surviving his grievous wounds from his mission in Dhaka, Bangladesh, Tyler Rake is back, and his team is ready to take on their next mission. The first movie was a lot of fun to watch. It does the standard fake one-take action sequence, where the action sequence goes on for about... 25 minutes and it looks like it's one take but if you know what to look for you can see where the cuts are doesn't diminish the stunt work choreography and skill it would take to make these movies this does the same thing so it felt a little repetitive now i'm not giving anything away there is an escape scene from a prison that leads onto a train the escape scene from the prison and onto the train felt too much like a video game to me and i found myself kind of honestly checking out unlike the first extraction where the the big continuous take is a chase scene through the streets of bangladesh uh i i found it i found that exhilarating and fun and very inventive this honestly 100 percent that that part felt like a video game. And I was like, ugh, not for me. As the movie went on and kind of the next big action sequence takes, the next one that I enjoyed kind of takes place in a in a skyscraper. Much more enjoyable. And I had a lot of fun in that one. These are just 
action movies with today's action fight choreography stunt work ramped up to 11 um it's i don't know if everyone everyone action is now associated with john wick so let's see well he this guy yeah he did the stunts on the director did the stunts on atomic blonde and he was a stunt coordinator for avengers endgame and suicide squad all a whole bunch of uh Marvel movies, Hunger Games. Oh, he did stunts on her. <laughs> <laughs> Think of all the great stunt work on her. He was a, he was a stunt double for uh, Brett Dalton on Agents of Shield. Ooh, there you go. Um, yeah, stunt double for Hugh Jackman on The Wolverine. Yeah, he. The person's name is Sam Hargrave. Um, this was um, written by the Russo brothers. Oh, nice. Yeah, this movie's perfectly enjoyable if you're looking for an action film with incredible gun work and fight scenes and stuff like that um this is worth checking out the watching the first one is not a prerequisite it does it it literally does pick up where the last leaves off but there's no real references to what goes on in that there kind of is i definitely preferred the first one over this one but you know um if you like Chris Hemsworth and you like good action, this is definitely worth checking out. The next film I watched on a whim, going in with no expectations whatsoever, I kind of stumbled upon it on Amazon. Uh, this movie is called Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game. The story of Roger Sharp, the young Midwesterner who overturned New York City's 35-year-old ban on pinball machines. Now... I didn't even know there was a ban on pinball machines in New York City. This movie is a fucking delight. <laughs> this movie was way better than I thought it would be. Part of the reason it's so good is one of the people that I fucking loved, that I think Sam liked as well from West Side Story, Mike Feist. Remind me? He was the gang leader of the sharks oh yeah totally yeah, yeah. i just pulled up a picture of his face yeah, yes totally he is unbelievably charming in this movie like so charming as like an everyday kind of guy with the greatest mustache to see the silver screen since tombstone i just saw a picture of the real guy by the way yes still to this day an amazing duster yes <laughs> um <laughs> This movie, when I started it, I was very confused because it starts off like a documentary. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, I thought this was a narrative film, not a documentary. It's a documentary <clears throat> that turns into a feature film where the character playing Roger Sharp in present day inserts himself into the movie, into the past of the story he's telling. Hmm. And he will interrupt the movie to point out that they did this to make the movie better and it's not what happened in real life. <laughs> That's fun. It's super fun. It's a fucking blast of a movie. It's not that long. It's like, yeah, it's an hour 35. It's on Amazon Prime. I truly can't recommend this movie enough. I gave it a four because I was smiling throughout the whole thing. Mike Feist is just... 
he's not charming in the way that you, like as in like um Harrison Ford he's not that kind of charming he just wins you over he's just this guy who loves pinball absolutely loves pinball it shit what's it? oh i wish i could remember what it centers him when he's playing pinball the world melts away and he can think about the things he needs to think about hmm. and the movie tells the true story of how he got uh, the New York City Council to overturn their ban on pinball machines. And it's a ton of fun. I had an absolute blast. If you have an hour and a half to kill, I think you should watch this. I think you'd have a really great time. I just added it to my watch list. So that's uh, that actually really uh, that's, that's super interesting. Um, by the way. Uh, Mike Feist's character in West Side Story is uh, Riff. Riff. Riff is the character's Thank you. name. Yes. Uh, yeah, definitely one of the best parts of that movie. Yeah, you and I both liked him a lot, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Him and uh, Ariana DeBose. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, so the last movie I want to talk about was a movie, again, that I just stumbled upon. I just happened to see... By the way, um, oh. sorry, Extraction 2, four three. stars? Three. 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 Okay. Um, pinball 4. 100% 4. Um, the last movie I stumbled upon, uh, I saw the ad for it on Disney Plus. And I'd heard that this movie was being made and then never heard a thing about it again. And then I saw the ad on Disney Plus and I'm like, okay, I'm going to check it out. This movie is called Flaming Hot. This is the inspiring true story of Richard Montañez, who, as a Frito Lay janitor, disrupted the food industry by channeling his Mexican heritage to turn Flamin' Hot Cheetos from a snack into an iconic global pop culture phenomenon. The man playing Richard Montañez, and I know 100% I'm mispronouncing that last name, his name is Jesse Garcia. And this man is a fucking delight. I use that word way too much, but I can't think of another word. He won me over, and he is the reason that I had such a great time watching this film. I had a blast. He is so winning, so charming, and so vulnerable. The movie tells the true story of how he, as a janitor, convinced Frito-Lay to take a chance on Flaming Hot Cheetos. (laughs) And it is so fun. It is a true underdog story. Because it doesn't, it is, it doesn't go into all the dark recesses of uh, Richard Montagna's life. Um, he fully admits that he was a criminal, uh, or he was a criminal when he was younger because he was a poor Latino, and he had a family to provide for, and he uh, got mixed in with the wrong crowd. But then I think when he got his girlfriend pregnant. Uh, he decided to try and go on the straight and narrow because he had a life. The movie is all about overcoming prejudice. It is about overcoming the odds stacked against you. It is about believing in yourself. It is also about believing in your partner because he has an almost unwavering support from his wife who just wants him to not give up on his dreams. And her love and support for him is just magical to watch. It is about... Uh, dealing with your past and reconciling with the trauma in your life as it is it is it is on Disney 
It's not a Disney film because I think it's on Hulu. They're yeah. kind of they're more like they're regular stuff, so it's not Disney-fied. But it is not fully shown, but it is fully told that he was completely physically abused by his father growing up. He was mm-hmm. beat. And it is a major part of his growth as a human. The movie is fun as hell. The movie is basically told, this is like a feature-length film of the um, Michael Pena scenes in (laughs) Ant-Man. Nice. Because Jesse Garcia narrates the movie as well. Mm. And it's told in that fast-talking, Latino style. It is a blast. I I could not stop smiling as I was watching this movie. I watched Flaming Hot and Pinball probably within a week of each other, and I was just in heaven. I will 100% rewatch both of these because they are just light, easy, fun movies that will make you smile. Um, Yeah, Flaming Hot, easy, four out of five. Absolutely loved it. Fully recommend it. I hope everyone has as much fun watching it as I did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, and sorry. I I didn't cut you off. Please. Um, it's uh, it's directed by Eva Longoria of the uh, D- Desperate Housewives. She was a director. Cool. Um, I I think I noticed it at the beginning, and in my mind, I thought they meant Eva Mendez, <laughs> Ryan Gosling's wife. Oh. And I was like, "Wow!" Oh my gosh, that's totally who I thought too. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> I was like, "No, it's Eva Longoria." Yeah. Um, she has a really great visual style. She really knows how to use music well to set the mood of the scene, and she moves the camera really nicely. I found um, – so as I was watching it, I, I kind of dove into her history as a director. She's got a lot of TV credits, and she did uh, film a documentary. Uh, but this is a, kind of her first feature-length film, and I'll be keeping an eye on her. Uh, if she puts out movies like this that are incredibly entertaining and visually entertaining, um, I'm on board. I, oh, I had a oh. really great time. Yeah, Flamin' Hot, 4 to 5. Give it a watch. Dude, cool. Wicked. Some good recommendations in yeah. there. Uh, all right. So that's what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the movie we're here to review, and that is Ghost. Released July 13th, 1990, directed by Jerry Zucker, written by Bruce Jewel, Joel Rubin, starring Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, and Whoopi Goldberg. Has a meta score of 52. That'll help you a little bit, mushy. <laughs> Uh, and a letterbox of uh, score of 3.4. That won't help you, Mushy. No. All right. Uh, it won two Oscars. One Hey-o. for Best Supporting Actress for Whoopi Goldberg yes. and Best Original Screenplay. Okay. It also had three other nominations that year. It was up for Best Picture, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Score. It had a budget of $22 million, and it grossed $217 million in 1990, making it the second highest grossing film of the year. Insanity. Behind... Mm-hmm. Home Alone. Wow. If you adjust it for inflation, that is $504 million, which would have made it the third highest grossing film of last year. The only films that beat it last year were Avatar and Top Gun. Wow. That's how big of a hit this was. Adjusted for inflation, it grossed $505 million worldwide. Adjusted for inflation, that's $1.175 billion. Again, the only films that would have beat it last year are Avatar and Top Gun. That's how big of a hit this was. The plot, after a young man is murdered, his spirit stays behind to warn his lover of impending danger 
with the help of a reluctant psychic. Sam, you have not seen this film. Correct. We did not do a guess the plot because you knew the plot, so we don't have to travel back and listen to that. Mm -hmm. But please, give us your spoiler-free thoughts on Ghost. So, I had not seen this film front to back, but much like Raiders, I had seen most of it. As a matter of fact, I'm fairly certain now, having seen it front to back, that I had seen it from roughly Whoopi Goldberg's first appearance until the end. Ooh, fair. So I basically just missed the beginning. Yep. So um, I did know mostly what was going on throughout. Um, there were certain things, therefore, that I couldn't tell if they were supposed to be secret. I don't really want to say in the spoiler-free section what those were, but... Um, one character's true motivations, I couldn't tell if they were supposed to be hidden until the 52-minute mark when uh, when they are fully revealed. Okay. Because it just seemed very obvious to me from the top. One oh. of the characters is revealed to be bad, and I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be a secret or not. No. It's okay. not. Okay. No. All right. I don't, I don't think so. It, even, I'll, I'll tell you this, I saw this in 1990, and we all know who was the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Yeah, this is a movie with, a, I think, a complicated legacy. Uh, maybe not too complicated, but I don't think I hear people say too many kind things about this movie. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hear people refer to this as like a class. I, I, hear, I hear mostly women say kind things about this movie. I don't think this is considered a very macho movie to like. It's a very romantic movie. No. I don't think it's considered a movie. I've never heard a man say a positive thing about this movie. I don't think. Interesting. I can't think of one. Okay. My relationship to this movie is basically i watched it on tv once when i was younger probably early teens uh and also it's referenced in a really funny episode of community where they all take a pottery class and the only rule in the pottery class is do not do the scene from ghosts <laughs> <laughs> and it's you know they they riff on that a bunch and it's, it's super funny um i super enjoyed this actually i i thought this was a ton of fun Fuck and, yes and uh the 52 or whatever it was metascore is shocking yeah to me this is an insanely well-made, uh, very riveting movie. Uh, a lot of the original reviews that I read seemed to kind of harp on the fact that the concept is derivative. Maybe it was in 1990. Maybe there were a string of Back from the Dead movies that I'm unaware of. But um, Roger Ebert, I don't know if that's the exact word that he used, but he did basically call it derivative um, and gave it two and a half out of four. Ouch. Um, I... I don't get that at all. I think this is insanely romantic, very sexy. Since I hadn't seen the beginning of the movie, I don't know in my head if I had actually seen the pottery scene. I had seen references to it, but yep. I uh, I don't think I had seen it. So incredibly sexy. Just watching these two very attractive people stroke a phallus <laughs> made of clay. <laughs> is, <laughs> it was a very sexy scene. Uh, and I think I read in the trivia that Patrick Swayze has said it is the sexiest thing that he has ever shot. Yep. It was the sexiest scene he has ever shot. Totally understand why that's iconic. Um, I think they have great chemistry. I mm -hmm. think Demi Moore um, totally plays um, grieving oh. so well. She is so heartbroken through the movie, and a lot of the emotion of it works because of her. Uh, there is a lot to like about the movie. I am not a Whoopi Goldberg fan. She's great. She, she does a great job. One best actress? Yes, she did. We'll Supporting. See. Supporting, sorry. Um, when we get to the Oscars, we'll see. It's eh, okay. She's, well, I'll say this. She's perfectly cast. She totally, uh, totally was the right, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Totally was the right uh, actress for the role. I'll kind of leave it there um, and summarize by saying I I understand that culturally this is like this would be put in the category of a chick flick. I think. Uh, oh yes. This is just a great fucking movie. This is just a really good movie. A really good romance. Um, super well paced. Kept my interest top to bottom. Um, couple of cliches that it hits on. You know, the one evil. The one character is revealed to be evil. Shocked precisely zero people at the time. I'm sure. Not shocking to anybody now. Um, but like, fine. Who cares? It's. I don't know. That that actor does a really good job. That character is really well written. So, fuck everyone. So yeah, I really liked Ghost. Sweet. Mushy. Um, you also hadn't seen this movie before. No, this is one of the movies where, like, I, I almost just don't watch it because it's a thing of me not watching it. Like, I was, what, you haven't seen Ghost? And I'm, it's, so at that you point. You have to watch Ghost. At that point, <laughs> I was just like, I'm just never going to watch Ghost. <laughs> um, but I obviously broke that rule um so I yeah pr- i pressured you a little yeah bit. a little bit um so yeah my first time watching this movie was yesterday and um and i <laughs> i had such a good time oh my God. yes <laughs> <laughs> yes she's almost crying yeah. <laughs> it was such a good movie and now i'm like contemplating all the other like movies that i refuse to watch like what if they're all so really good <laughs> Turns out people are making movie recommendations to you because they're good movies. <laughs> uh, I had so much fun watching this. I agree with Sam. It was a very sexy movie. Um, and I'm I'm a little sad because going into it, I obviously also know the pottery scene. Yep. Um, but And like, that's pretty much it. Like I, I didn't really know the synopsis of the movie or anything oh, like that. Even better. Um, so I was reading, I can't remember where I was, where I was reading. I think I Googled, um, like one of the characters or something like that. And I had ended up reading one of the synopsis that gave everything away. Mm-hmm. That told you the plot of the movie, not yeah. the synopsis. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so it, it ruined that key point. Um, so I felt like I was a little heartbroken. I'm like, well, they just literally gave me the whole movie front to, to that. That's why you just watched the movie instead of doing that shit. Well, I wasn't expecting to, (laughs) I wasn't looking for it. Like I usually do. Um, so this one, yeah, I was a little sad that they kind of gave it away. Um, cause I, I don't know if I would have been shocked when they reveal what they reveal. Um, knowing me, I probably would have, but definitely would have. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, like, I don't know, spoiler-free thoughts. I never know what to say because I feel like as soon as I open my, my mouth, something spoiler is going to come out. <laughs> so I had to, like, write this down to, like, make sure. Oh, and to vet your own yeah. thoughts. God, I love you so much. <laughs> so my, my spoiler-free thoughts are, um, it's a perfect romantic thriller, good versus evil, sweaty abs versus sweaty faces. <laughs> Um, with an epic soundtrack that will want you to watch it again and again. Oh, I like that right up. Yeah. Well great. done, Mushy. <laughs> Is that everything? I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, okay. I'm really glad. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. I am so happy right now. I was, I'm going to go hmm, 95% sure that Mushy was going to like this. I was terrified Sam was going to hate this. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. 
I wasn't sure because this movie borders on it can go either way. I think this is a movie you love it or hate it. Mm -hmm. I think if you buy into the premise and you buy into the movie, you're going to have a fucking great time and be completely entertained. If you can't buy into the love or the premise of the movie, you're going to just be rolling your eyes constantly. And so I wasn't sure how you were going to go. I don't know if you're going to carry in uh, some Roadhouse prejudice towards Patrick Swayze. (laughs) Hey, my beef was not with Patrick Swayze. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it makes me honestly fully happy that uh, this podcast is going to be almost like a love fest for this movie because I love this movie. I saw this in theaters when it came out. I was very young. I would have been 14 when this movie came out. But we went... uh, as a group with our girlfriends. So it was kind of like a bunch of dates all together. It's been steamy theater. It was a steamy theater. And I remember back then liking it, but not admitting that I liked it. Yeah. Because this was a chick flick. And this was, this was before I was falling in love with movies. At this point in my life, I just liked movies for movies. I'm still a couple years away from last Mohicans changing my life. But I've always liked this movie, and it's one that I've watched countless times. And when I was, when there was still TV, if I was flipping through and this was on, it was a put the remote down and I'm just going to finish wherever we pick up. The movie is iconic for one main reason, and that's the one we've all mentioned. It's the it's the pottery scene, and it is carried on through time. Community is a show what that has been within the last 10 years uh yeah it debuted in 2009 okay so 20 years after this movie mm-hmm. they're still referencing it and you could easily reference it now today when i was at work my co-workers asked me what movie we were discussing and i said ghost and all of them were like one of them was like he's like i haven't seen that movie but i know about the pottery scene yeah i uh I watched this one alone this week, but when Emma asked me today, she's like, what movie are you talking about tonight? I was like, Ghost. She's like, ah, oh, shit, I wish I would have watched that with Aww. you. <laughs> Has she seen it? I think so. I think she said she had. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I agree. Um, the movie is carried by three people, um, with Tony Goldwyn being the fourth person who does a really great job in the role that he is in. But you have to believe in the chemistry between Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. And they make it believable. Mm -hmm. You have to believe in the anguish. We're not spoiling anything. The movie's called Ghost People. (laughs) You have to believe in the anguish of Demi Moore. uh, And she, I think, fucking... It's her performance that makes the post-murder scene believable. Mm -hmm. And then you have Whoopi Goldberg come in 40 minutes into the movie and steal every scene she's in. Mm -hmm. And brings this breath of fresh air and turns a sappy love story into a fun comedy Mm -hmm. and everything else in between it mixes perfectly uh i have nothing but love for this movie and watching it again as we've been revisiting these years i've purposely not rewatched movies i want to because i know we're doing them for the podcast or i know i'll be watching them to supplement my coverage of that year and this was one I've been holding off for a while, and I was really excited to rewatch it. And my heart is full of joy after revisiting us. So I'll, uh, oh. I'll, I'll just add one more. I did actually mean to put one tiny little thing on the movie before we go into yes. spoilers. 
through no fault of the movies, I think, maybe since you watched it in theaters, you can tell me how this was. Uh, the special effects have aged very poorly. This is a very, it's a kind of a cheesy-looking movie. The shots of uh, Patrick Swayze punching through things uh, obviously it would all be CG now. We used some sort of different camera trickery back then. I'm not sure exactly what. But it looks a little silly now, and I'm just going to top that off. It feels like it was probably fine at the time. It was a hundred percent believable at the time. Yeah, it, yep. it kind of sticks out to me. But since we're going back further in time, you and I, um, thirty-three years old pre-CGI. Yeah, exactly. Like in in cultural context, like in co- context of nineteen ninety, it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. I and I totally, I completely understand, respect that criticism. Mm-hmm. Looking at it from what we're capable yeah. of doing today, it's no fault of the movies. Nope, none. Yeah. But yeah, at the time all believable the um the only thing that is that a spoiler kind of is i'll get into that we're gonna spoil ghost in three two one go fuck yourself i'm just gonna mention this now the before i forget the only part that stood out back in the 1990s that that nobody really enjoyed was the shadow creatures I'll really, just leave it there. I I like the shadow creatures, man. I think they're fucking creepy. They're sounds creepy, mm-hmm. but the the look of them left some people. Okay, like yeah. that. I I didn't have a problem with them personally. Yeah, that yeah. was actually like bottom of the list for bad special effects for me. Cool. Yeah. All right, notable scenes, Sam. As always, you get the bat lead off. We're yeah, gonna well, start. We've only mentioned it seven times. So. All right. Uh, yeah, my first scene is the pottery scene, obviously. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, incredibly sexy. Like I said, it's basically just two super attractive people stroking a phallus. Yes. So yeah, it's of course super erotic. Um, I have to imagine pottery wheel sales and clay sales went up about a thousand fold after this movie. Um, I mentioned this today at work, and uh, my coworkers thought it should be the tagline for this podcast. Um, this movie did for pottery what Top Gun did for the Navy. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Absolutely. Po- pottery classes went through the roof when this movie came out. Yeah, pottery was huge for a while after this movie, 100%. Yeah. Um, what a fucking dick, Patrick Swayze. She's working so hard on this one piece, <laughs> and he just comes over and... Just, is like, she really it. it's the middle of the night she can't sleep so she's just like playing around and creating i don't think she's like actually like focusing and making a piece for something maybe i don't know but like he just he does just walk over and yeah assume, it is a, a bit right? of a dick move yeah yeah right. he's just he's just like is he gonna make that judgment just walk over ah that one sucks she doesn't care about this one there you go <laughs> that was a weird beginning to this scene but uh after that yeah it uh it just goes into super iconic, sexy waters. Um, yeah, this era, like late '80s, early '90s, just all about the steamy sex scene. Like that is a that is a thing you don't really see in movies anymore. Most of them, to this point, uh, as we've been going further back, have felt a little out of place to me. Yep. I don't know if it's because I'm getting more used to them now, or if it's because this really is one of the better ones, but this didn't feel out of place at all. It felt like a very natural progression of the story. No, no. It didn't feel gratuitous. It just felt like it was really important for us to see the connection that these two have before we get to the inevitable deaths. I agree. that I think that's the reason that it's in here, and that's why I agree that this is perfectly placed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed this as well, um, but I just, I, as always, when we're watching a movie to review the podcast, I'm looking at things I wouldn't normally look at, but... After they leave the pottery and they move into the front room after obviously washing their hands, because you could see that their hands mm-hmm. are no longer covered in clay. Yeah. 
um, when they start having sex in the sex scene, which is it's not gratuitous because there's no nudity mm-hmm. of Demi Moore. There's obviously Patrick Swayze uh, is topless, but the camera lingers more on Swayze than it does oh on Demi gosh. Moore. I th- my notes. Patrick Swayze's abs should be outlawed because they're breaking laws. <laughs> it was so delicious. Dude, when he was like tearing down the wall, he's like wearing the mask and like, listen, I'm a straight man, but like, come on, there's a little wiggle. Yeah, him, there. him, like, <laughs> him and Tony Goldwyn, when they're breaking down that wall, both have abs. Yeah. 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 So, um, like, I think, honestly, those reasons, though, for real, might be the reason this is mainly considered a chick flick because there's, there's no female nudity in it. But and there's technically no male nudity. But Demi Moore in that shirt that like the button up was super sexy. Like, oh yes, they're panning up her thigh. Yep. And, yep. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But that was one of the very things. Very beautiful people. Like we have watched a lot of. Or I shouldn't say a lot. I definitely watched a lot. But some of the films we reviewed, especially as we've gone further back, have been very uh, male male focused. Totally. And so a lot of gratuitous shots of of women have occurred in this film. Like in that sex scene, there you see a lot more, and I kept track. They kept. I wanted to see. You see a lot more of Patrick Swayze's skin than Demi Moore, and even mm-hmm. in those scenes where he lifts up her leg and the shirt comes up, you don't even get to, up to the panty line yeah. on Demi Moore. They were very meticulous in making sure, in what what felt to me very respectful of Demi Moore's character, and really accentuating the sexuality of Patrick Swayze. Uh, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it because of that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that's that's my first choice for a scene. Doesn't uh, I think it was? I probably just hit one for all of us on our lists. So. Uh, did you have anything else on the party scene before we move on? No. Just okay. Patrick cool. Swayze's abs. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the one thing uh, I will touch on later. Uh, it this song made Unchained Mel uh, an, a, a hit again. Yeah. yeah. Massive. I, uh, Manny and I were talking about this, I think, before you got here, Mushy. But uh, I am only familiar with this as the song from Ghost. I. It sounds very old timey, like the chord progression and the and the rhythm is all very like fifties ish. But I thought it was just a song written for this movie. Yeah, and apparently nope. it's not. Nope, it is not an original for this movie. It is uh, is a much older song. Mm-hmm. Mushy, what scene would you like to discuss? Um, my my first scene was actually the elevator scene. So prior oh. to the pottery, um, when Sam and Carl are heading to work <laughs> and they get into the elevator with all the people. It just showcases their friendship, which I really enjoy. I love this choice. Um, And it's like, it's something that I feel like I would do like with you, Mm -hmm. you know, like just bullshit and make everybody else around us extremely uncomfortable. Yes. (laughs) One of the things I love about that scene as well is I think you can tell Carl's getting a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if the scene was improvised or they played it as written. No idea. Or, or, uh, or what, but when Patrick Swayze says, and on your genitals, you can see Carl get a little embarrassed. Yeah, and he's and like, the actor's yes. performance is awesome. Like, he, but he still he still goes along with it. He yeah. gets a little embarrassed, and he's just like, "Yep, all all over my genitals." <laughs> <laughs> and he just keeps going. It's so fucking funny. So I looked that scene up because I wanted to like dive deeper into it, and they only did like one or two takes of it because they wanted their like back and forth to be a lot more uh, like. Natural, exactly. Um, I think they had maybe read the script once um, each, and then so it was a lot of just playing off of each other, which I, I 
I think you can feel um, from the way that they present it. But I just loved it so much because it was that contrast to how the rest of the movie is between them. Um, yeah, it was definitely a, a scene that I thoroughly enjoyed. I got a lot of laughs out of it. Cool. Uh, okay, my first choice is going to be when Sam meets Otome for the first time. Mm. He had followed uh, Willie Lopez back to his apartment. This is, was another reason I I was watching this critically is I wanted to try to figure out why he goes into Otome's place, uh, her psychic place, in the, in, and they don't really give a reason. He just kind of sees it and just kind of wanders in. And you don't get a reason in the film why he does it i don't i don't care i think on like the the board like her sign it says like contact a beloved or like a loved one or, okay. or something like that it, I, do, it does it does have a bunch of advertising yeah. saying you know contact that and that could be the reason but uh he just kind of looks at it and just kind of mm -hmm. heads towards it so you're right that it's never explicitly said i i always i always myself assumed that it was just he was hoping that she would hear him she, he was hoping that she would be legit. Really? Yeah. Oh, I never had that interpretation, ever. I always thought he just kind of was upset over Willie and was just kind of stumbling around hmm. and just kind of stumbled in there. <laughs> Looking at it again for Critical Eye, it's a psychic reading place. I noticed right away, only women in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, they, He walks into the whatever you want the seance room whatever you want to call it it's got the crystal ball <laughs> on the table they know exactly what they're doing with this character and this setting uh i love that the sisters open the closet there's no yeah. one there yeah. they... <laughs> oh so funny um and then she walks out whoopi is unreal in this performance uh -huh. um you're you said you're not a whoopi fan most likely in my opinion opinion because you're used to whoopee from when you've grown up when she was on a talk show and the is it the view yeah okay i have no i my generation i think at least uh knows whoopee goldberg as that woman from the view okay i grew up with her being a stand-up comedian mm -hmm. and being on the color purple and being in this and some other uh 80s sister comedies act. sister act yeah. that's my, my and the host of the oscars so i and also, she was a, a semi-recurring character on Star Trek The Next Generation. So I have nothing but love for Whoopi. Um, <clears throat> I think I've read some stuff that she has some outlandish views on The View. Whatever. Thankfully, I don't know what they are. So I still I can look back fondly mm. on her nice. in here. And she is absolutely spectacular in this film. Uh, her performance in this scene shows off the chemistry that is going to come with her and Patrick Swayze. When he mocks her and she hears him, mm -hmm. she's like, she, she's like, you can tell she, she heard something that she'd never heard before. And it throws her off. When she starts looking around, when I can't remember the old lady's name is, I'm, I'm going to be racist and say it was Rodriguez, but whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, she's looking like behind her chair She's just doing this physical comedy that I love. And one part uh, that I enjoyed um, when Sam realizes that she can hear him, uh, he just almost panics. 
and just starts yelling. And I love how the dialogue is overlapping between Whoopi and her, I'm assuming they're her sisters. Is that right? I think, yeah, I thought that they were her sisters. Yeah, I, I made that same assumption. Okay, yeah, so her sisters and and Patrick, they're all talking over one another. Uh, and then the scene ends with Sam, her saying Sam Wheat. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just mm-hmm. a really great uh, scene, an introduction to a, of a, a great introduction to a character, and an introduction to uh, a little bit of a tonal shift in the mo- in the movie without losing what they've already built up. Yeah, no, I uh, I totally agree. I, I think the spectacle of this room is really well realized. Like, mm-hmm. I, like you hit the nail on the head, opening up the door to reveal there's nobody there, and then she comes through it um, is all really good. Her holding up her arms kind of regally, palms up uh, in this like long gown or this, I don't know if it's a long, I don't know if we get a shot of the bottom of it, but I imagine it as like a gown or at least a very wavy, fancy blouse. Um when the woman hands money over, Whoopi does not reach for it herself. The, the sisters mm-hmm. are there as like servants of of the grit. It's the whole thing. The whole production the whole is such bullshit. Yeah. She's such a fucking charlatan. It's great. Um, and one of the shots that I really love is when Whoopi hears the first thing that Sam says. I can't remember exactly what it is, but he's he said he's making I think, fun of her. I think he says, "What a crock of shit" or yeah, something like that. What a crock of shit. Yeah. And uh, I think she looks up at her sister first. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of looks over, and the camera cuts to her sister. She almost as if she's yeah. wondering, like, "What the fuck did you?" Say? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um, yeah, absolutely great scene. And uh, yeah, chaos breaks out. It's our one of our inciting incidents. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fucking mm-hmm. awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I love this. This is one of my picks too. Yeah, I nice. had so much fun watching this. Yeah. Good, awesome. Um, Sam. Yeah, what do I got next? Um, I have a bit of a gap, but Kay. I'm gonna go to um, Carl discovering the account is closed. Whoa, that's it's, near the end. Yeah, that's near the end. Wow. Yeah, it's. Uh, I love the acting uh, in this. Tony scene. Goldwyn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, what's the actor's name? Tony Goldwyn. Tony Goldwyn. Yeah, uh, his acting in the scene. His fucking panic is uh is palpable yes and uh the makeup here is good. he's just a little bit sweaty <laughs> just a little bit sweaty uh and he's freaking the fuck out because he's just misplaced four million dollars of a drug dealer's money yes uh and it's it's his reaction that makes this i can't remember if this is the same scene but in my head it's tied to um him in the office after hours as well uh, when Patrick Swayze yep. throws the chair across yep. the room and he begins to realize that there's maybe something in the room watching him or something that's some sort of spirit that's messing with him. Yep. Uh, and the computer starts typing to him. It's all so well realized. And even though it's not the conclusion, it's such a great fuck you moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And getting to see our antagonist who who is responsible for Sam's death, getting to see him squeal and squirm a little bit. Oh, yeah. uh, it's... Uh, awesome to me wicked mushy um so mine again is prior to that no no we're talking about <laughs> oh, his we're scene still talking about the same yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. If, if you have if you have anything to add no okay, okay i do uh i love tony goldwyn's performance throughout the movie and i think this is his highlight um yeah. there's another scene i'm not sure if it'll be discussed so I'll, I'll leave it on there i had to cut it from my five I probably should have cut the pottery scene because I knew somebody else was going to pick it, but I was unwilling to. Uh, I was unwilling to, to take the chance. But he is—he's so great in here. He, his panic is palpable, 
and his performance of that is so great that for a fleeting moment, you actually kind of feel bad for him. You're like, oh, this poor fucking guy. Oh, right, he's a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that I love that he, when he can't figure out what's gone wrong and his coworkers notice that he's panicked about something and they legitimately offer to help, but he can't get their help because that would reveal what he's done. And he's like, no, no, I'll take care of it, which does tie into that after hours one uh, where Patrick Swayze does get a little, gets to fuck with him a little bit uh, is quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Mushy, what scene would you like to discuss okay. next? So um, between Sam meeting Otome and that scene, mm-hmm. um, in order for Sam to push the chair, he had to meet... The crazy subway ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you picked this because, oh, is this him meeting him or when he gets taught? When he gets taught. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I oh did, my I had, gosh. I'm happy about this. <laughs> this was so fun to me. It was just a nice break in the movie I found. Yeah. Um, and it was just, I, I feel like the subway ghost, like, I don't know, he's kind of like, us in a little way like there's a little piece of the subway ghost in all of us <laughs> <laughs> the little guy the, the little piece of you that yeah. wants to tell somebody to go fuck off or don't text me on my day off yeah. Boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. like yeah i'm at I, you know home leave me alone mm-hmm. or yeah so i i had such a good time um and i just you know this grumpy subway ghost teaching sam to move things um he kind of gets this soft spot for Sam, you know, like he's just like, you're not doing it right. Or you got to do it. You got to feel it, you know, just the way that he was explaining and like rooting for Sam, but also in like this super grumpy way. I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed the way that the movie kind of like flipped and went into this fun, lighthearted scene. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I always love the scene as well. And him almost being, him almost being kind of unable to teach it because for him it's a feeling because mm-hmm. he has so much anger that's what allows him to do this and so you can see in that scene the subway ghost is kind of i think it's probably the first time he's actually talked to another ghost besides being rude to them being on the subway so he's trying to find a way to properly articulate the way to do it and then he they kind of discover it together mm-hmm. and him kind of being a jerk to Patrick Swayze and uh, and all that. What I loved about this scene, uh, again, only trying to notice things I maybe not noticed before as I watch it, is they're at the 42nd Street subway station. Oh, yeah. I was so happy. I saw the number 42 and I nearly lost my shit. I, I knew we would be talking about that 100%. <laughs> I knew that we would. Uh, but yeah, this, this scene is a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. Uh, I'm just looking at this actor, Vincent Chiavelli. Yeah. Uh, Scavelli, Chiavelli, I don't know. I think it's Scavelli. Scavelli? Yeah. Um, he's been in some stuff. Yeah, he has. Uh, most of it I haven't seen. Uh, Man on the Moon I haven't seen yet. All of. Uh, Batman Returns I've seen parts of. Um, but I don't remember a minute. Uh, Fast Times, he's Mr. Vargas. Yeah. So that'd probably be the one I know him best from, but it's been a minute since the last time I saw Fast Times. Um, yeah, he's so perfectly cast, and I love the makeup. He looks like a ghoul that mm-hmm. has lived in this subway for forever. And I, I like that um, 
when Sam asks him how long he's been in the subway, he doesn't actually answer. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't actually answer, and it kind of allows your imagination to keep running about this character. I like to believe this character has been in the subway for a long time, um, haunting people um, and living in living in grief. Uh, but that's just that's just my imagination. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's a great scene. the The training scene is good. I personally also really like the introduction scene where he's held out the held out of the side of the train yeah um but yeah good pick yeah uh this actor i know him i actually this is the movie i i most reference him from Mm -hmm. when i see him i'm like oh it's the subway guy from ghost he's also uh he has a small role but he's in the movie uh one flew over the cuckoo's nest um those are the two movies that i have uh with him the most um yeah uh whose turn is it my turn yeah yeah Mm -hmm. all right my turn um so I'm actually going to move a little bit forward from Mushy's scene, but before Sam's last scene, uh, and this is when Otome returns to Molly. And this is um, after she's gone to the cop, after Molly's gone to the cops and has found out that Otome has a record oh, yeah. as a scam artist. So Molly is on one side of the door. Otome is on the other. And she is so scared. She is so skeptical. Her heart has been torn asunder by the loss of Sam and then Otome playing it, um, playing on it as well because she thinks she's a con artist. Great um, use of the word asunder. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, she saw um, me react to that. Yeah. <laughs> you took Sam's breath away. <laughs> so Sam helps to try and convince her. Um, Back in 1990, this was one of the famous scenes as well. This is where he uses the penny, um, and he drags it up the door and then floats it towards her and puts it in her hand. Um, The score rises uh, as this is happening, and one of the things I love, I picked this scene because I needed a scene that I enjoyed enough where I can really highlight that Demi Moore is what makes the scene work. And it's her reaction to seeing the penny and then the realization that the love of her life is right there in the room with her. And even though he is gone, he is with her. And she gets those fucking tears going. And you'll see later on in the trivia, Demi Moore was hired because she can cry on cue and she can control what tear what eye the tear comes out of. Whoa. Whoa. That's a really cool skill. <laughs> yes. So if you, when you know that and you watch this again, you can watch one will come out on its own, followed by another oh, in the other cool. eye yeah. later. I noticed that in the, in the film. Yeah. Yeah. It's wow. incredible. So it makes that performance even more powerful and makes the connection that you need to have for this movie to work work even better for me so this is one of the scenes that i chose for that uh i like the pick and i will do you one better that i also think one of the moments that sells this scene and the pain that demi moore is in uh is when uh in the initial moments in the scene when uh otome is listing off more items that how could i know this if blah 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 blah. and uh (laughs) and molly kind of breaks down a little bit she puts her head against the door and says why are you doing this to me yeah like, she is in mm-hmm. so much pain she doesn't know what to believe she has at this point in the movie written otome off wow i can't believe i was taken in by this charlatan i can't believe that uh she would take advantage of my pain 
and she's still grieving Sam. She still clearly has not gotten closure on what's really happening. And, uh, and Otome returns and again puts the seed of doubt in her. And she just leans her head against the door. And I felt so fucking sad for her in that moment. Yep. Before she really makes the turn and is like, oh my god, Sam is back. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel so sad for her in that moment. And then, yeah, the moment of the levitating penny is another another great moment. Wicked. Mushy? I disagree with all of what you guys are saying. There's nothing that I'm going to add that's going to make this better. (laughs) Yeah, it's a beautiful scene. Sam, your next scene. Yeah, what do I have? Um... I have, I guess it's directly following that. I have uh, Sam and Molly dance. Yes, yeah. that was my next pick. Uh, and of course we get, uh, everything kind of lines up a little perfectly for us to get a climax uh, at, at the end of the movie uh, because we've already established that um, Otome can become possessed. Yep. Uh, a spirit can enter her body and take over her body momentarily. Um, so we've already established that. And there's kind of a throwaway line that's like, well, of course you're tired. Don't you know that entering a human body makes your makes you very tired or something like that? Yep. So then, of course, Sam can't save Molly momentarily in the end, and it kind of lines up. It's it's a little bit perfect, but it's again, I have no problem with it. Really, it doesn't take me out of the movie. Yep. Um, but yeah, the scene of uh him taking over Whoopi Goldberg's body to dance with Molly one last time. And again, Demi Moore's perform- performance, you can see her, she doesn't instantly put her head against Sam's chest. She's not totally sure, she's not totally sold on it immediately. Yep. But in feeling each other, in feeling how each other are moving, I think over the course of this dance, she becomes truly convinced. I think at the time when they first embrace either she's not fully convinced or she's just a little uncomfortable with it still because she is still dancing with this woman who's essentially a stranger to her. Yep. But I think when she realizes that the person that she's holding is actually her lost lover, she eventually gives in. And I think I, I think you do get all of that from a silent performance from Demi Moore in the scene. Uh, and it's very romantic. I it's love very it. very romantic and very sweet. I love it. <laughs> Mush. I actually had a problem with this scene. Interesting. I, I didn't like it. And I don't know if it was because I just couldn't let go of the fact that this is technically Demi or like um, Molly dancing with Otome. Um, and I'm, I'm very glad that they, in the scene, they changed the character to Sam mm-hmm. so that you, you visually see Sam and, and Molly dancing. Um, I think it helped but my brain still couldn't turn off the fact. And I'm just thinking of like when Sam is caressing like Molly's arm and, and, and they're holding hands and stuff. And I'm, I, all I'm picturing is just <laughs> her doing this with Oda May. Um, so I just couldn't unsee that in my head. And yep. this scene just didn't work for me. I really, I, 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 I see what they were trying to do with it and it, it is beautiful, but for me, it just didn't work. I actually, it's funny you bring that up because I I mentioned that I read part of Roger Ebert's review for this movie earlier. He did mention that he thought the better choice for the scene was to have Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg dancing Mm. together. That's what he mentioned. He thought that was the better choice for the scene. I don't know if I agree with that. I disagree with Roger Ebert. I think the the better choice is Patrick Swayze. I do. One of the things, again, 
whatever. I, now, I, when I mention it, I feel like I'm bragging, and I don't mean to come across that way despite my yes, rampant narcissism. Yeah. Despite my rampant <laughs> narcissism. <laughs> but again, I've, I've seen this movie easily over 30 times, so I can try to look at different things. And Demi Moore in this whole scene when she's dancing doesn't open her eyes. No, exactly. She kept her eyes closed. Eyes closed the whole time. Yeah. And I'd never noticed that before. I noticed and that And that's too. what made me buy into the scene even more. I love this scene. I'm not with Mushy. I'm with you. Mm. I think this scene is utterly romantic. Um, I love... Um, I love... When Demi Moore has scenes with Patrick Swayze and Whoopi Goldberg when he's a ghost. And they're, it's something that Sam and I love talking about, eyelines. Mm-hmm. Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg don't know where to look. They just know to look in the vicinity because of his voice. And so sometimes they're looking up. Sometimes they're looking over to the side. They're not looking right at Patrick Swayze, and I love that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it helps sell the fact that they can't see him. Small camera move trick I loved. In the scene, it begins. Otome sitting on the chair. Demi Moore sitting on the couch. Patrick Swayze comes in from camera right and sits down on the couch, and the camera moves up so you can't see him indent the couch when he sits on it. Oh, nice. It lifts up so you can't see the couch seat. You can only see him sit. And I love that. I'm like, so it, it buys into the illusion because if you're watching and you saw Patrick Swayze sit on the couch, obviously the cushion is going to compress because a man is sitting on it. But they lift the camera up just enough so you just see him sit but not touch the couch. There, um, there's a lot of that sort of stuff in this movie, and I not to like totally derail the conversation yeah. about this scene, but there's a moment in the diner when her and Otome first go out to like coffee together yep. or whatever to talk. I think maybe somebody can confirm this for me if you've noticed the same thing. Noticed the same thing. So they're sitting across the table from each other, and uh, Patrick Swayze is sitting on Demi Moore's right. Yep, and I believe in the over-the-shoulder shots. Over Demi Moore's right shoulder, where we're looking at Whoopi Goldberg, that camera angle, I don't think Patrick Swayze is in those shots. And I I think he should be geographically based on where he's sitting. So I guess they shot it twice, like once with him in the scene, once not. And I think they used the shots of him not in the scene. Uh, or they used the shots from the take with him not in it for the lines that are delivered from Demi Moore's perspective. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or rather, Whoopi Goldberg's lines when we're kind of reacting from Demi Moore's POV. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a bunch of camera stuff like that and the attention to uh, things like couch cushions being indented or not being indented. That sort of attention to detail is really what separates good filmmakers from bad If you want another small detail, I don't think I have it in the trivia, but in the scene where Sam dies, um, it's cold out and everyone has breath. Um, the song kicks in we see the scene we see uh, Demi Moore's hands and we see Whoopi Goldberg's hands touch them and then the camera pans and then that's when we reveal that it's turned into Patrick Swayze Um, this scene really uh, really affected me a lot and I wrote down it's the longing of the one you love and finally getting the moment you want and that's one of the reasons that this scene worked for me. Um, she has been hoping and praying for one last moment with Sam, and this is the one she gets. And spoilers, she gets another one later, but mm-hmm. we don't. she doesn't know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I did love this scene. 
Sorry, it didn't work for you, Mushy. It's okay. <laughs> uh, your turn, Mushy Moos. Um, okay, so because that scene didn't work for me, there was one that caught me off guard, and I was quite surprised. Um, you guys are probably going to think it's absolutely ridiculous, but when Willie dies, oh. I did not see that coming. And then when the little demons come <laughs> out and they come and take him away, like... I, w- I was like, what? <laughs> While I was watching it, like, it just totally caught me off surprise. The little demons, um, you were talking about it earlier. <laughs> Such bad CGI or whatever. Well, he, they- li- he liked them. Well, I, oh, uh, I did. I think. I thought that they're ridiculous. If I could, if I could jump onto that, I think the reason that they've never really bothered me is because I already find a lot of the other effects to have aged poorly. Mm. Like, I was already kind of in the mindset of like, all right, some of the effects in this movie aren't really going to be great. Like, got to get past that. Fair so enough. I kind of just viewed it, rightly or wrongly, as viewing as being on equal footing as That's the fair, other. Because it is the last effects. special effect. Yeah, yeah. like uh, you've you've already seen the the door. You've already seen the lights. You've already seen him passing through people and stuff like that. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff is kind of cheesy by modern standards. But so with, I I had already kind of turned that part of my brain off. With those scenes, though, you can see the effort that they're putting into it, right? Like with like the camera lines and everything. So with those those scenes, you I don't know. You can you can see the way that they're I don't know what's the word like producing it product I don't know whatever. <laughs> but with these stupid little demons, it's just like they didn't care what how it looked or what type of detail they just gave like black little shadowies with little white googly eyes for all I know. <laughs> it just seemed like they gave no effort into it. Okay. Um yeah, so anyways, I just thought that the scene one, it totally shocked me that Willie was had died um and then to have these little like gremlin demons come up and whisk him away i was like what just happened <laughs> i like this scene uh i love seeing willie suffer uh <laughs> yeah. he i don't know if you recognize him probably not because this is your first watch of ghost and the only other movie that i know that willie's in is a movie you've only seen once uh, he has a small role in Waterworld. Oh yeah, I, oh, I would really? have no idea. Yeah. He's he's in the uh, in the city, the floating city yeah. that um, Kevin Costner first comes to. That spoilers gets arrested in. He's one of the people. He's actually the guy that sees his gills. Oh oh I yeah okay yeah, that's, cool. That's Willie Lopez huh. or whatever the actor's real name is. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So those are my those that actors I recognize them from those two movies. Cool. I'm a nerd. Okay. Um, oh, I, I just I was looking up his filmography to see if I knew him from any, from anything else. Uh, he died in 1995, not long Aww. after this. Yeah, pretty young, wow. 42 years old. Oh, I'm older than he is. Yeah. correct. Does he look older than me? I'm not answering that. You look great. I always thought that <laughs> he looked older than me, but I guess I look older than he does. I f- I feel like you're like the same age. Sure. I don't I don't think you look your age. I think you look pretty young. Thanks. <laughs> My turn. Um, I'm I'm going right to the ending. Yep. Uh, Molly can hear and see Sam. Um, I'm almost crying. Uh, I wasn't anticipating crying because this song, this movie's actually never made me cry before. It's made me have the feels, but never almost made me cry. Like, sorry, does it still make you cry? Or I'd never, you. I'd never cried watching this movie before. Huh. When I watched it two days ago, 
this scene almost made me cry. Wow, interesting. Yep. Um, the lights come. The score kicks in. Demi fucking sells it again. Her reactions, her joy and pain and elation to see him uh, absolutely nails it. They have that, for lack of a better word, I just called it the ethereal kiss. And then they flip the script. I love you, Molly. I've always loved you. Mm -hmm. And she says ditto. Mm Mm-hmm. So sweet. So sweet. <laughs> I didn't I didn't cry, but it was pretty damn yeah. close. Uh, I think a, a, a lot of where the waterworks tend to come from in the scene, I think the score does a fair amount of the heavy lifting because I don't think it's the actual Unchained Melody we're listening to. I think it's the movie score. It Okay, so it's the movie score using the, the, mm-hmm. using the Unchained Melody theme. Yes. So I agree that definitely helps. Because I've been listening to the rest of the score. This got nominated for original score. Disagree wholeheartedly. Mm. We've we've listened to some other really great scores yeah. last week's. I liked that the, didn't get nominated. The only moments I noticed from the score in this film are the intro sequence, which I thought was really good, actually. Yeah, and it is. then uh, the Unchained Melody homages. Uh, the what's the word I'm looking for? The themes, I guess. Sampling. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, those are the only two moments I really noticed. The rest of it, I kind of didn't. The other thing that I loved is. As Sam is walking into the afterlife, I kept going in my mind. I'm like, I can't remember how this ends. Mm. I'm like, please let it end here. Like, I don't want a scene where Demi and Whoopi make plans to go for tea. (laughs) And when it ended, I was so happy. Like, they knew what they had, and they ended it perfectly, unlike Spielberg. (laughs) Bridge of Spies. (laughs) (laughs) And Peter Jackson. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. The Eagles pick them up, and there's 55 minutes to the end of the movie. Oh, my oh grace. Oh, my God. All right. I um, just everyone yeah. if you saw that. <laughs> all my scenes are covered. Sam, you got anything left? Uh, the only other thing I have, um, all of them have been covered. Um, you may even consider this the same scene, but I had Carl's death. Okay. Um, the only reason I wanted to bring this up is because um, he's very, when Willie dies, he's very... Uh, cocky you're dead willie he's very john wayne about the whole thing um and when carl dies maybe it's just because he's his friend that I is guess. that I, that's a note i had but he's been so bitter the whole I, I for some reason it bothered me that he was so loosey-goosey when it came to killing willie but all of a sudden he gets a little queasy when when carl is is about to die i don't know it i don't know if i totally bought i get it's because they're really close friends yes but that was maybe the one character motivation thing I questioned a bit. Is okay. How, just how eager would uh, Sam be to kill both of these men? I felt he, I felt his appetite for murder should have been equal. No. No. I disagree. Okay. Okay. But are you done? Yes. Okay. Uh, are you okay with me jumping oh, in 100%. here? Okay. <laughs> uh, I understand the point you're trying to make. Yeah. But I think for the character. We have to remember Sam has to stay good mm-hmm. or he's not going to heaven. Mm-hmm. So he's not responsible for Willie's death. Willie is the one that was running away and ran into traffic on his own. Mm-hmm. He was running because of Sam, but Sam didn't cause his death. He has no connection to Willie. Mm-hmm. So him being cocky about his death made sense. Even though he is obviously upset over Carl being the cause of his death, 
he has a history with this person. And we see it numerous times throughout life in film and in real life where at the moment of someone's death, if you're mad at them, you still feel bad because of the love you had for this person. That's why I bought it. This person, despite the shitty things he's done, has been such a massive part of Sam's life that when he does die of his own accord, Sam didn't cause it. Like he, he tripped and then how he got impaled on a piece of glass. Yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to remember why the glass fell. I think he broke through the window. It's the yeah. h- the hook, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the hook swings and knocks it down onto him. Yeah. yeah. So, and that had to happen because if Sam caused Carl's death, Sam doesn't get to go. Mm-hmm. He gets he gets the dark creatures. Um, I think what it is is that um, Sam saw the I love your use of the term gremlins, uh, <laughs> the shadow gremlins come and grab Willie. And so when he sees Carl die, he knows Carl's going to hell. And he, while he is angry at his longtime friend, and rightfully so for helping, even though, in my opinion, I, the, the murder of Sam Wheat, I don't think that was the plan. I th- it wasn't. I don't Car- think. Carl just, Carl just wanted like, the book. I just wanted his wallet. I just wanted his wallet. I just wanted the book. So he, I, I think that Sam understands that while Carl is responsible for his death, it was not the intention. This is his best friend. They show that elevator scene shows the connection they had. They were like brothers. This man dies. He now has to. He now knows that this person that he did care about, who did end up killing him, is going to hell. And also tried to fuck his girlfriend and then murder Ugh. her. Yes, <laughs> which is a, a, which a scene I thought we were going to talk about. Sadly, we didn't well, get to. Well, don't worry. I'm, I've got it upcoming. Okay. Um, but yeah, I understand your problems with it. Totally. Yeah. That, th- that was my interpretation you, of it. You actually made me feel a little bit better about it. I like your expl- explanation. I think what had happened, I was sort of, I, I, I associated those murders with the trope of, Hero kills a bunch of henchmen, feels no remorse, gets to the big bad guy at the end, and suddenly, I'm better than you. I don't have to kill you. Oh. Sort of situation. I think my brain was sort of associating it with that trope, but I like your explanation. Does It does alleviate some of my okay. uh, misgivings. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I have to agree with Manny. I, Sam never came across that he was the one that was like trying to kill either Willie or Carl. Um, I, I feel like, yeah, Willie was running away on his own accord. He was scared. Um, and he ran into traffic where he shouldn't have been and got hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with Carl. Like, um, they had all of this history and that's why the elevator scene to me was so important is because you get to see that background on their friendship. Um, and no matter what I, I you, like, I, I, I agree with you when you're people that you love and care about, if they do you wrong, you still don't want wrong things to happen to them. Yes, you're mad, um, but yeah, I just, I would mm-hmm. totally agree. I never once thought that Sam was doing it to be vindictive or. Yeah, totally. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have another scene you want to talk no, about? No, those are all my scenes. All right. Sam, your favorite scene? Pottery, man. <laughs> you gotta take up a pottery <laughs> class. <laughs> this is great. What are you going with, Mush? It's the pottery scene. But I have it as clay scene. Not until you guys started like saying pottery, but I think is it was always like just the clay scene. So yeah. Fair enough. 
I really want to go with the pottery scene as well. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, yeah I gotta. I gotta Let's do go. it. I gotta. Do it. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping I could pick something else, but I just can't do it. Iconic. All right, performance review. Mushy, you can lead us off. Who do you want to talk about first? Well, hopefully, I did this right. <laughs> it's all good. Um. Okay. So my first pick is. It's not really a performance from an, like a, a character or an actor, but it's again it's Sam and Carl's friendship. Mm. Um, just how like how what is it Sam like Sam staying as a ghost only to learn that his best friend betrayed him would be so unbelievably difficult, right? Like when Sam dies. And he's learning all these things like he doesn't understand what happened. He doesn't understand why he died. And then to have this whole backstory unfold and not being able to do anything about it, the level of frustration and betrayal and hurt that he must be feeling. And he doesn't really act out on that. Like he keeps his, for the most part, he keeps his composure, right? Like I feel like I would be like a total like breaking down you know i'd be crying i'd be yelling i'd be throwing imaginary things you know mm -hmm. but he doesn't really do that he just kind of like keeps his composure and he finds otome which obviously works to his his benefit but um that that level of of difficulty to to learn that the cause of your death was from your very best friend um and to have that friendship portrayed earlier in a scene I just, yeah, I thought that the movie did that really well and I would have had, like, such a hard time if I was Sam. I can relate to being betrayed by your best friend. Oh. Ooh. Yes, you can. Ooh. I sure I sure can. Did you yes, ever tell Abby can. that story? No, I haven't yet. Yeah. No. <laughs> Ab Abby doesn't know that story really? yet. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Last, last week, he was we, like, I'll tell you that sometime. When yeah, I can't yeah. remember how it came up, but... Uh, yeah, we, we, we teased that. I'm like, it's a good story. It yeah. is a, it's a really good story. Yeah. It is a good story. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you got it told only recently with T-Bone here. Yeah. 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 It's one of the best stories that you have, if not the best. It's just really it, unfortunate you're a main character. It is, <laughs> it, it, it is easily the best story I have. Yeah, yeah by far. Um, that and the, uh, the, Pope, uh, the pre Pope and uh, oh, that's Rabbi a, joke. The Pope and Rabbi joke? Yeah. yeah. I love that. That's easy. I, lo I love that joke. Very different tone. Very different tone. <laughs> Um, I agree. the The friendship they show in here um, is great. There's a lot of there's a lot of movies where they insinuate a relationship between two characters, but they don't show it. And in this film, with just one scene, with a a little a tiny help of when Carl's helping them renovate, um, you get to, you know with Carl there helping renovate, you get that brotherly feel. Like we're doing something with our home. Who am I going to call to help? Carl. And then we have this elevator scene, um, which helps really cement the fact that these two are extremely close uh, and really uh, rely on one another. But one of them is a snake in the grass. Yeah, definitely. Um, Actually, that's hard to say because he wasn't purposely trying to screw over Sam. He got caught up in something and then it escalated. Yeah, yeah I, think it, I think it definitely escalated beyond his intention and beyond his control. I don't think Carl is a murderer i think he uh he did send a murderer after him but not for the intentions of murder yeah um, pretty unambiguously a bad person i think uh and especially threatening to kill uh 
uh, what's the meme? Molly. 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 Threatening to kill Molly at the end of the movie. But yeah, setting up their friendship uh, at the beginning is done in a really cool way. Um, showing their interaction in the elevator is really crucial to that. Seeing him help with the move is really crucial to that. And the basically reconstruction of their place. One of my biggest pet peeves in dialogue is as you know dialogue yes where two characters say things to each other for the sake of the audience that they already know <laughs> like as you know we're best friends as you know we've known each other since we were 10 i'll see you at work tomorrow we work as bankers like i hate that shit yeah and the movie does a really good job of avoiding all that while still fleshing out um a really deep past mm-hmm. which is great uh i'll what i'll do is i'll since I'm next, I'm I'm going to stick with Tony Goldwyn. Yeah. Um, some things I like about him. I always thought that he was on coke the whole show, the whole movie. <laughs> it's it's 1990. Yeah, he's, he's on a lot of coke. He, he's always he's always got a little bit too much energy, and he's often sweating. Mm-hmm. And so, in my mind, Canon, he is always. He's, he's a coked out banker. He's, he's a coked out banker. Yeah, sure. Oh, that's funny. Um, and that would explain his the connection drug dealers, to, to yeah. the drug dealers as well. Totally. Yep. Um, he's really, really great in this movie. And I'm going to use this opportunity here to, while I think him, uh, I think his best scene acting wise is when he finds out that his money is missing. But the scene with him and I enjoy the most is in the worst possible way is when he's trying to get, when he's being sleazy with Demi Moore. Oh, fuck, I hate that scene. I've, I've got a comparison so scene for that. I'm sorry to catch you off. Yeah, no, no, please. Uh, reminds me a lot of the truth or dare scene from eighth grade. Nice. Have you ever seen that movie? No? Yeah. The truth or dare scene from eighth grade gives me the same feeling of the ickies. Like, yeah. Oh, I can't believe this is about to happen. <laughs> he is such a piece of shit <laughs> in this scene. And he is just preying on her weakness and her vulnerability because this is somebody that she is supposed to feel safe with and that's what makes this scene even worse is that we know that he's a piece of shit she doesn't she sees the carl that sam saw this is the guy that has been in their life forever most likely most likely Sam and Carl have been friends longer than Sam and Molly have been together. Mm -hmm. And so she has always seen him as basic, probably Sam's brother. Mm -hmm. And she feels in this moment that she can be vulnerable. She can relax and let her emotions run true. And he is just preying on it. And it has always been a perfect example of how to make a character make you hate a character without <clears throat> not that this is great but without him having to do anything drastic he doesn't he doesn't rape her he doesn't he he t- like he does end up touching her he's playing with her hair and he rubs kind of the back of her neck and stuff like that but he's not he's not forcing himself on her he's not sexually when assaulting her when she says no he's like okay yep yeah, totally fine <laughs> yep um Still a piece of garbage. Still a piece of garbage. <laughs> so I, I think Tony Goldwyn is a great. Well, he is a villain. He's a, he's a great. He's a great. He's not. His intentions were not villainous to start. Because oh, he. They were villainous in the end. They were villainous in the end. Um, but yeah, I think Tony Goldwyn's performance is really really good. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sam. I guess I might as well go uh, go on Patrick Swayze nice. then as well. Um, 
mostly pretty good. I think, uh, given a tough task, um, acting like you are in scenes with people that you are not actually in scenes with uh, is really tough. A lot of the times, physically, it's when you notice. Uh, you, when you notice it is when it's done poorly physically. When he's reacting to something going through him or him punching the air and it's actually somebody's body. It doesn't always look the best in those cases. So it's a really tough tough job that he was given. Um, with that being said, I like a lot of his reaction shots. Some of them are, are bordering on being over the top, but a lot of the heavy lifting in his performance is done through reaction shots. The sickening realization that he's dead. The anger he feels in the scene we were just talking about when Carl is hitting on Molly. Um, a lot of... Since he doesn't have dialogue a lot of the time, since he can't really talk to any of the characters except for Oda May, um, a lot of his acting is reactions. Yes. And uh, he does a pretty good job with those, I think. So, um, not one of my favorite performances in the movie, but, like, definitely a good job. Cool. Mm. Thoughts on Patrick Swayze? Um, I just can't get his <laughs> his abs out of my mind. Nice. Yeah. You I rate his performance <laughs> six pack out of six. <laughs> uh, I'm with you. I, I really like Patrick Swayze. I think he's perfectly cast for this. Uh, for me, this role is one of his iconic ones, so I can't see anybody else in it. And we're going to get into that with him casting because there are some pretty big people that were up for this role and a couple of pretty big people turned it down. 1990 rom-com? I bet Tom Hanks was up for this. Nope. No? Oh, that's surprising to me. I don't think so. <laughs> um... You're right. This is sadly uh, there's not a lot for him to do in this movie because he can't affect very much until later on until he gains his powers. Uh, so it is a lot of reactions. Um, so I I do like Patrick Swayze in this. Uh, I think he's I think he's perfectly cast and perfectly fine. He's not like it's not award worthy, um, but it's not cringe worthy yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Mushy. Um. Well, I'll bring up Oda Mae Brown then. There we go. <laughs> I love Oda Mae Brown. Um, honestly, she was just an absolute delight of a character. Um, she's funny when she needs to be funny. She's bossy. She's pushy. You know, um, <laughs> she can be a complete train wreck <laughs> at times, like the bank scene. Oh, the and- <laughs> bank scene. That was my last cut. I hated having to cut that one. The bank scene was so good when, yeah, when she's trying to talk to the banker and Sam and... Signs the wrong name. Yeah. (laughs) Four million dollars! I just, I I loved her. Um, Going into this movie and, like, having an idea of what it's, it's about, just from, like, just hearsay and talking and stuff like that. I I did, I wasn't expecting a character like Oda Mae Brown to be in this movie, um, so I just anytime she was on screen, I just loved her. I'm so happy to know that she was nominated. And she, won. Won, she won, which just makes my heart so happy um, because she deserved it. This character is just an absolute gem for me. I oh, loved her. I love Oda Mae Brown. I love what she brings to this movie. I love Whoopi's performance. I'm really happy that she won the Oscar. Um, by the time we get to the year in review, you will have seen three supporting actress nominations or three supporting actress performances. Uh, you'll have Lorraine Bracco in Goodfellas and Mary McDonnell in uh, Dances with Wolves. Uh, the other two, have I watched them yet? 
Uh, yeah, I've seen Annette Benning in The Grifters, and I haven't watched Diane Ladd at Wild at Heart yet. Um, oh, Benning. Benning was actually really good. Uh, you enjoyed uh, Patrick Swayze's abs. Uh, I enjoyed the full nudity that Annette Benning had <laughs> in... Uh, uh, in the grifters. Wow. Yeah. That is it, so that's so misogynistic of you to say, Manny. I know. Uh, where did you watch that movie specifically? <laughs> so I can see just how misogynistic you are. <laughs> I will send you the link. Thank you. Um, uh, she is really good in it. Uh, I, I love that Whoopi one. I always get excited when a comedic performance is nominated, let alone win. Uh, I love that she won for this. I love this performance. It is a perfect balance um, to the romantic and, I don't know, uh, ghostly side of, of this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I totally got Oscar winner from this. It's a really good performance. It's exactly what's called for in the script. So maybe by that definition, uh, it, it is. Um, but yeah, Whoopi Goldberg, obviously very good. I'll add another adjective to the list you just did. In the first scene that we see her, she's regal. She's mm, she's mm-hmm. royalty walking out of that room and yep. then seeing that facade break away and her turn into this, this fucking grifter, basically. Uh, really good. Uh, really, really good performance. And yeah, the bank scene is one of the comedic highlights. Uh, the outburst, about $4 million. Her yeah. reluctantly, reluctantly <laughs> handing over the check. Uh, no. No, sorry. No, you're a ghost. I'm a human being and I have $4 million in my hands. The church has received enough money in its time. (laughs) It'll be okay. I'm keeping the $4 million. At least a tip. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. But yeah, definitely impressed with with Whoopi Goldberg overall. Mm -hmm. What I like about this win is it kind of sets off a little run of convenient performances winning because two years later Marissa Tomei wins for My Cousin Vinny. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, the following year, um, Mercedes Rule wins for The Fisher King. Uh, it's a com- dramatic comedic role. Um, so then in 92, we have Marissa Tomei. And then after that, yeah, nope, then we're getting full drama because it's Anna Paquin uh, for the piano. Oh, yeah, that's definitely full drama. Yeah. So, Not a laugh to be had in that movie. <laughs> Rachel no. can attest to that. Yeah, yeah. Rachel did not laugh at that movie at all. Uh, who? Oh, my turn. Cool. Let's go with the tear queen herself, uh, Demi Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the person, in my opinion, that centers this movie. She's the one that makes this movie work. Patrick Swayze is the person that you get to follow. Whoopi Goldberg is the person that you get to uh, lift up your spirits. Um, Demi Moore is the one that provides the emotion uh, in the film, and she fucking nails it. She is absolutely incredible at playing the anguish that she's feeling over the loss of her lover. She is great at that, that lost look when she doesn't know what to do. When she doesn't know where to turn, she doesn't know how to... She had her whole life open up before her as, you know, they reveal early in the movie that they just moved in together. That they had just bought this place, they're going to start their life together. They have the scene just before he gets married where she talks about she wants to marry him. Mm-hmm. And Sam's like, whoa, you've actually never talked about this. She's now seeing the rest of her life, and it's taken away from her. And she had found a path and now it's gone and she is lost 
and she plays that perfectly through the whole movie. And then we get the absolute killer ending where uh, she finally gets to say goodbye and let's go. Mm-hmm. And she will be able, she will be able to move on and live a very happy life. Um, but yeah, Demi Moore is spectacular in this film. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if I have much more to heap on that I haven't already said, but I agree. She is the emotional center of the movie. It's her grief that drives the film. It's us seeing this woman in pain that makes us want to root for Patrick Swayze even harder, in my opinion. I, I see her in pain and I go, oh, please relieve this woman's pain. <laughs> please please make hug. it right. Please give her a hug. And it's, uh, it's, it's tough to watch at times, but uh, makes the catharsis of the, of the ending that much more powerful. So yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I'm, I'm on board. Awesome. You got anybody else? I have one other, not really as a performance review, just to, as a little little tip of the cap. Hello, how yeah. you doing? Thanks for being in this movie. Uh, gotta love Stephen Root. I love I love Stephen Root. I don't know if you know who that is, Mushy. <laughs> I have no uh, idea. He's the cop that pulls out Otome's file. Uh, if you can oh, visualize yeah, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's in. I, I was first familiar Come with on. him from Dodgeball. There we go. Story. <laughs> uh, he's in Office Space as well. Yeah. Uh, he's he's just a great little character actor. He's uh, a great he's, character actor. He's also in Get Out as well. He's the old blind uh, art collector. Yep. Uh, yeah, I love Stephen Root and like everything he's in. He's in Dave as well. Yes, he is. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I got to give a little shout out to Stephen Root when he shows up, even if I mean the performance is whatever. It's yeah. Fine. He's just doing the job. He's got what two scenes? Yeah, maybe one. Like one. He's got yeah two. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, just a little shout out to him as well. But after that, that's that's all that I have. Okay. Anything else, Mushy? No. Okay. Let's move on. Oh, favorite performance. Ooh, favorite performance. This one's actually an easy one for me. It's to me more. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mushy? Otome Brown. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. Three different ones, Manny? No. No. Uh, it's not... actually between your guys's. Yeah. Mm. I'm gonna go with Whoopi. all right tactical review um i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with the score and soundtrack um this score was nominated um i disagree i think that it was nominated i dis. i don't think (laughs) i disagree with its nomination not that it was it was it was nominated. I can't disagree with the fact. <laughs> that is a fact. I disagree with its nomination, and I think the reason I feel so strongly about this is that I was so in love with Edward Scissorhands' score. Um, it, Danny Elfman, man. Yep. Yeah, this, the the opening track during the credits is great, and then anytime they use the Unchained Melody theme in the score, it's great. But everything else was honestly not good, in my opinion. So I'm a little sad that this got nominated. There, I think there was a couple other... Oh, yeah, we, I enjoyed the score from Total Recall. Um, oh, you weren't here for that. Yeah, I wasn't here for that. Um, so I was a little underwhelmed with, this, with the score. I was really looking forward to watching this movie because we've been talking about score in quite a few of the films, uh, like Miller's Crossing. I uh, love the score in that one and not nominated and i kept seeing ghost i'm like i don't remember the score being good and in my opinion i was right i don't think it is a good score it has two themes that are really nice the rest is substandard in my opinion but the song unchained melody 
is phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a really great song. And it rose to prominence again after uh, after this movie. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, hearing it again. Yeah. I think my thoughts are basically the same as yours on that. The two very standout moments in the score, um, or two very standout themes in the score, yeah. I guess. And then uh, Unchained Melody is is great. Awesome. And uh, I will add that is a uh, that it's a very manipulative in a good way way to get to a, an audience's emotions. Like play a play a song during a happy moment. Like Unchained Melody plays during the pottery scene. Yes. And then during a bittersweet, heart wrenching scene, play it again in a slightly different like play it in a strings instead of instead of a band arrangement. Yeah, that's just. That's just audience manipulation 101. <laughs> It'll get you. Awesome. Yeah. Mashi? All right, I apologize for not knowing the proper terms for all of this stuff. That's okay. Um, I would agree with you on the soundtrack because this song, I just, this this movie makes the song, the song makes the movie, right? Yep. Um, but also, like, the sound effects, is that something? Uh, of, like... Of just the film altogether. The sound effects of, say, like, the, the ghosts? Yeah, that's different. Um, that's different than this than what we're talking about. Okay, so the my technical review. I think she. Yeah, I think she's moving on to a different. Oh, are category. we just still talking yeah. about? No, if you, if you, you guys are. Move on, if you want to move on, if you want to oh. move to the sound effects. Yeah. Well, I agree with you on the on the um the soundtrack, the Kay. score. I I mean I don't know. <laughs> Take that's fair. It or leave it. Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> what would you what you want to move on to something else? If we can, you totally yeah. can. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it ties into what you guys were talking about because yeah. it's, all, it's all sound, right? Like um, the sound effects that they used, I I was impressed with. Um, it was almost to me, and I don't know if this sounds cheesy, but it was almost like another character to the movie, like their apartment um, when they were renovating it, and then when she's, you know, she's got her pottery and she's putting moving pieces around. Like it was almost like the the apartment, the sounds of the apartment came to life for me mm-hmm. um nice. you've got the like the sounds of new york um in the background like the busy streets and everything like i i feel like their attention to detail with the surrounding sound of the movie um really resonated with me i thought like it was definitely something that i picked up on um what else did i put and then obviously the like the demons were absolutely hilarious mm-hmm. um so in a part where I'm assuming is supposed to be a little bit more scary. I was just laughing the whole time because I thought it was so cute and funny and absolutely ridiculous. Oh, wow. Ridiculous, I had the so. exact opposite reaction in 1990. Fair enough. Yeah. 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 Th- that, those sounds scared the fuck out of me. Really? Yep. Yeah. Creep me out. No, I, I laughed. I thought that they were pretty ridiculous. All right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, I think this the sound of the movie I really enjoyed. Yeah, it became its own character to me. Nice. I don't think we've ever talked about sound effects editing in here. If we have, it's been very seldom. Very nice. Well done, Mushy. Yeah. Mm, no, that's a, that's, that's a great thing to point out. And yeah, sound design is not a thing. Tenet. Tenet, yeah, because it was bad. <laughs> and I was just going to say, sound design is one of the things I find that I only notice when it's bad. It just feels Ooh. it feels natural in a movie. All so quiet it, on the Western Front. Oh, really? You hate that movie. Really? Yeah. Oh, dude, I love that movie. So you hated the sound design in that movie specifically? I, I 
I couldn't get away from the sound of the movie being so horrible that's that it score. made. She's talking, she's talking about the but score. But that's the score. Now yes. she's talking about the score. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. see, it's all back. But I, <laughs> I couldn't focus and enjoy the movie because I hated. I just that want to so clarify much. that you're talking about the Oscar-winning score whatever. for All Quiet on the Western Front, the one that won the Oscar for best. Do you think that that matters to me? I don't. I just want to clarify that's the one you're talking about. Sure. <laughs> Let's get back to Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I like that score. So do I. Yeah. Dog shit. <laughs> Fair enough. Seth, it's your turn. Uh, yeah. What do I? What do I want to do here? Uh, let's go to. Okay, the screenplay. I actually don't really have any notes written on the screenplay, but I just feel like it probably at least um, warrants some conversation. <laughs> yes, given it that does. It has a. It has a nomination. No. Um, no. A win? Yes. That feels excessive. <laughs> that, like, I have no problems, really, with the screenplay, but it's just it's just kind of a romance story, right? Like, okay. and I don't know. I The plot did not feel particularly groundbreaking. It was a cool idea, but, you know, not particularly groundbreaking. It's just a romance story. And then the dialogue, honestly, not always great. Whoopi Goldberg has a number of great lines. Um... I, I the screenplay I is a bit of a head scratcher for me not, for me I'm not gonna lie for the win. Just think that this screenplay won and Miller's Crossing wasn't nominated. Yeah, that's fucking bonkers. Okay, so <laughs> I've seen three of the best original screenplay nominated films. Yeah. So I've seen Ghost. I've seen Alice, which was a movie I liked because the premise was fucking cool. Um, so I I had no problem with its nomination. And then Green Card, which I fucking hated. Hmm. It was horrible. So the fact that Green Card is in there nominated uh, is sad. I am hoping to watch Avalon. I have it on my watch list. Um, I'm really mad because it was on sale to buy for $5 about two months ago, and I didn't get it. Hmm. Stupid. Now it's $15, so I'm going to have to rent it. Uh, And then Metropolitan, it's going to be hard for me to get. It's only on Criterion right now, and if I I can get a two-week trial for Criterion, I think there's like three films from this year on Criterion Channel that I want, so Maybe. should be worth it. Um, I'm with you. I don't – well, out of the films nominated, I, I think it's the – out of the three I've seen, I would give this the win over Allison easily over Green Card, but over some other films that we have seen, specifically Miller's Crossing – uh, it's a travesty yeah. that this has uh, an Oscar win. I'm with you. I, I didn't think anything great about this screenplay. I don't think it's bad. I think it's a perfectly fine hmm. screenplay. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because it's mostly I, just like very well acted, honestly. Yes, and very uh, with a very good soundtrack. Yeah, and I don't know, an interesting premise. Yeah, cool. Okay. Mushy. Okay, <laughs> I. Yeah. Is screenplay like the script and like all That's that kind correct. of stuff? Okay. Yes. Yeah. It. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You don't have to give any thoughts on it if you no, don't want. I've got, got none. You're good. This. I got no, no thoughts. All right. What do you want? It's your turn. What would you oh, like? Oh, well, I, no. I did the, the sound. Do you have, sure. you have no, nothing all. else? Uh-huh. Okay. No. Then I will... Sir, I'm going to circle to the cinematography. Uh, I enjoyed the cinematography. I thought it was... I don't think it stood out either way, but there was one shot that I loved. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember. It's a mirror shot when they're moving in. Oh, dude. That yeah. is such a nice shot. Yeah, yeah. That definitely stood out to me. Uh, I really love that. It reminded me of this shot uh, in the movie Contact that I love. Mm. That 
I've talked about a million times that I never figured out how they did because I didn't think that they used CGI. And so the whole time I've always watched that movie trying to figure out how they did that shot. And then I found out that they used CGI, which infuriated me because for like well over a decade, I tried to figure out how you could possibly make that shot. And then they just used fucking computers. (laughs) Um, But yeah, other than that, I think the movie, I think the movie looks good. Not great. Um, but never, it's never bad. I think the cinematography works really well, but that one mirror shot really stood out for me. So I needed to, uh, to throw it some love. Yeah. Serves the purpose to tell the story. Yep. They shoot great coverage. You know where everybody is in every scene. Sometimes they shoot on tripod. If a character is angry or agitated or upset, they shoot handheld. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray. Hooray. Cinematography. (laughs) What do you got? Uh, I got nothing else, honestly, that I need to talk about, really. Okay, what are you picking? Favorite technical aspect? I think I am going to go with... This is tough, actually. Maybe it shouldn't be that tough. I like the score and the soundtrack really bring out the uh, the waterworks. Yep. You know, they really bring out the emotional response that the film's looking for. As great as the acting is, I think... Uh, those the the would be cry scenes are definitely queued up by the uh, by the score. That's fair. Yeah. So the few moments that it does have to shine are really good. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Mushy. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. Pick the the soundtrack. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Wicked. All right. Favorite quotes. Sammy, lead us off. Yeah. So I try not to do dialogue in these because they don't work as well to to quote. Um. So. By that logic, most of the great Whoopi Goldberg lines aren't in here. So I only have three left. Okay. Um, I have... So one of them is from Whoopi Goldberg. In resp- I'll just cheat and say it's in response to Patrick Swayze trying to say that he's in danger. And she says... Uh, or that Molly's in danger. Yeah. And she says, you can't just blurt it out like that. And quit moving around because you're starting to make me dizzy. I'll just tell her in my own way. Molly, you in danger, girl. <laughs> uh, I also have uh, number two ditto and number three uh it's amazing molly the love inside you take it with you oh that is a great one sir Mm -hmm. well done wow yeah yeah mushy um minor dialogue sorry (laughs) (laughs) you can do what you want all right so again back to that great old elevator scene um so they get in sam and carl get into the elevator and there's surrounded by a whole bunch of people yep and sam uh, what about that rash? Carl's like, the the rash, because he catch, catches him off guard. <laughs> um, the rash is also incredibly contagious. Uh, he said they've both been spreading. <laughs> Sam, no. On your genitals again? <laughs> Carl, yeah, yeah. Right on the genitals. <laughs> just so good. So good. Um, and then my second one is Otome and Sam. Um, Otome's got the check for $4 million in her hot little hands and she is not letting that go. But Sam has other, other plans for that. And Mm -hmm. Otome's about to find out. And so Otome, I know you don't think I'm giving this $4 million to a bunch of nuns. Sam, think of it this way. You'll go to heaven. Otome, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go back to the bank and cash this gosh darn check. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought she delivered that so good. Um, and then, yes, I would have to agree with you, Sam. Um, when our Sam, movie Sam, is uh, doing the reverse with Molly. I love you, Molly. I've always loved you. 
And Molly says to Sam, ditto. Nice. Mm -hmm. All right. I got five. Uh, I have, of course, Sam, ditto. I have the subway ghost. You take all your emotions, all your pain, all your love, all your passion, all your rage. Just push it all the way down to the pit of your stomach and then let it explode like a reactor. Pow! That's a good one. Uh, and then um, I have a little dialogue between Otome and Rosa Santiago. He's a handsome man. Handsome? Mrs. Santiago, in our father's kingdom, we are all handsome. For <laughs> <laughs> thinking. Uh, and then this is Otome. Uh, this is outside uh, when she's trying to get Molly. She's like, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. <laughs> and then Otome when she's leaving the apartment, have a nice life, have a nice death. Those are my those picks. Are cool. yeah, yeah, those are good ones. Sam, what are you picking? Uh, mine is easily, actually, the line about the love inside you take it with you. Oh, I think it's the best line I'm very jealous. Yeah. That is a that great is pick. That is a good one. Mm -hmm. I missed that. Uh -huh. What are you picking? Um, the Sam and Molly scene with a reversal when Sam tells her I love you and Molly says ditto. Awesome. I'm picking Sam's ditto as my mm -hmm. favorite quote. Whoa. Um, Sam, weak link of the film. Uh, special effects. Through no fault of the movie. <laughs> Through no fault of the movies, just uh, a little bit dated. Although Sick. apparently the uh, the shadow monsters, uh, the shadow gremlins, I guess we're calling whatever them. Whatever they are. <laughs> uh, I don't even think uh, the movie yeah. knew what they were. <laughs> yeah, they're like, whatever, we'll just have some fucking shadows. Yeah. We can't animate like the devil Go coming googly up. Googly so. eyes. <laughs> yeah, uh, the special effects are a little dated. Okay. Here, here. <laughs> I just a huge fist bump the air. Yeah. Uh, I honestly didn't have anything for this, but I will climb on board of that. Oh, hey, I'm not done, though. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, Furthermore, dot, dot, dot. The reason why <laughs> I don't like the special effects, and maybe you guys can, like, I don't know, solve this for me. Um, so we watched, I, I don't know if you watched it, but we watched Roger Rabbit earlier. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and that movie was filmed in 1988. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yep. And then this movie was filmed in 1990. Well, it would have been filmed in 89. Okay. So a movie, yeah, they, um, came, they came out two years apart. and. But regardless, Roger Rabbit was filmed before. Two years, two years before. Okay. So the technical aspect and the, and the, um, like the visual effects and, and everything that they, they used to create the way the cartoon characters interacted with the real world. Mm. So... I don't understand why a film like Roger Rabbit can be created and then you can go to a film like two years later with like Ghost and you have these shitty little gremlin demon <laughs> things that you put zero effort into. Um, and then the way that like Sam moves around throughout the movie as a ghost and interacts and pushes things and walks through things i don't understand why one film can just blow it out of the park like roger rabbit and then ghost is just well what part of what is aspects like, of of sam interacting with the real world did you find not believable because when he when he moved signs he oh they moved but i just mean like i i, I don't know maybe it was just like the the visual of him like being as a ghost like being pushed through things or putting his head through things. Oh, okay. So your your problem is when Sam's like going through a door. Yeah. Not when he's like moving a chair. Not interacting with it. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's just okay. The, the visual of that. An easy solution for me right now. Is it budget? <laughs> this movie cost $22 million. Yeah. Two years earlier, Roger Rabbit cost seventy. Okay. 
So that would be the, in my opinion, the main difference. Yeah. Dollar bills. I just bills, feel yo. like they ran out of money when they created the the oh that's the entirely hell within the realm of possibility. Yeah, <laughs> and they're just like, let's just yeah create a black sheet and yeah. put some googly eyes on it and away we go. I like to imagine the the board meeting of all of the creative directors and like should we do stick people <laughs> no that won't work <laughs> that's fair we'll, it's a fair we'll do black blobs <laughs> um yeah i i honestly originally didn't have anything but your guys's complaints about the special effects i'll i'll climb on board reluctantly but mm. it is probably the weak link of the yeah. film uh all right you guys ready for some trivia i am so ready all right um the pot wasn't supposed to fall apart but patrick swayze and demi Moore just kept going it wasn't planned for him to destroy it he wasn't supposed to. Oh, no? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. they just kept going. Um, after the film's release, Unchained Melody went as high as number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100. Cool. Uh, I do have something on that. Um, Unchained Melody was written for the 1955 prison film Unchained. Uh, in that film, it's sung by an inmate. That's why the lyrics note how hard it is to wait for so long because the narrator is serving time. Mm-hmm. Um, it lost that year. Um, to best original song to a song called love is a many splendored thing from the movie of the same name Hmm. um patrick swayze alleged that sam wheat was the hardest role he ever played in his career mainly because he had to be an observer to the action and not a participant Mm -hmm. uh tony uh tony goldman recalled to the av club in 2014 that his role as the conniving murderous carl prompted a waitress to refuse to serve him he couldn't figure out why she was shooting him death stares until she finally asked him if he was an actor. She said, I'm so sorry. I knew I hated you, but I didn't know where from. <laughs> and, beca- and because I couldn't place who you were, Goldwyn said. That's so funny. <laughs> um, I mentioned this before. I'll skip over that one. Uh, that's the ice chewing thing. Um, when passing through solid objects, ghosts appear to absorb some of the material through which they are going. Jerry Zucker had some difficulty explaining what he wanted this effect to look like. Finally, he illustrated by dipping a napkin into coffee. Mm. Cool. Um, Bruce Joel Rubin, that's the screenwriter, um, used to say ditto to his high school girlfriend instead of I love you. Uh, this was the most rented video cassette of 1991. I bet. Yep. <laughs> um, Carl Bruner was named after a grade school teacher that Bruce Joel Rubin didn't like. <laughs> a lot of that uh paramount were so taken aback by the financial and critical success of the film they immediately looked at the possibility of creating a sequel however director jerry zucker writer bruce joel rubin as well as stars swayze moore and goldberg all thought it was a terrible idea as none of them had been contracted for a potential sequel paramount quickly dropped the idea and thank god yeah yes ghost two revenge of carl yeah (laughs) Uh, in early drafts of the script, Otome dies, and it took a while for Jerry to persuade me that this wasn't the best way to end the movie. He adds that she was killed by other bad guys, but then possesses her own mangled corpse to attack them. Whoa, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, <laughs> but that would have yeah that would have been a wild ride. Yeah, that would wreck the movie. Uh, <clears throat> Molly tells Sam that he leads a charmed life. This is a line from William Shakespeare's Macbeth. Macbeth also claims to lead a charmed life, meaning he cannot be killed. Immediately after making this claim, however, he is killed. Sam is killed after seeing a production of Macbeth. Ha. Hey. That's funny. Uh, some casting what-ifs. 
Uh, in an interview with the Los Angeles Times, Bruce Joel Rubin revealed that he was skeptical of Jerry Zucker for his script, as he wanted either Milos Forman or Stanley Kubrick. The pair went through 19 drafts of the screenplay together, and Zucker gave the script more structure. Stanley Kubrick for this movie? Yeah. That's, as a fan of Stanley Kubrick, that is wildly incorrect. <laughs> uh, the role of Otome Brown was not written with Whoopi Goldberg in mind, but Patrick Swayze, an admirer of hers, convinced the producer that she would be right for the part. Uh, Nicole Kidman auditioned for the female lead. But while they loved her tape, they went with the more well-known Moore instead. Kidman's tape made it up to the Paramount ladder, though, and it led directly to her landing a role in Days of Thunder. Ruben also cast her later in his directorial debut, My Life. Hmm. Kim Basinger, Gina Davis, Helen Hunt, Andy McDowell, Madonna, Michelle Pfeiffer, Meg Ryan, Kathleen Turner were all considered for the role of Molly Jensen. Wow. I think... I don't know who I would like best out of that. Meg um, Ryan would work. Meg Ryan would work. Um, I, I maybe have an unfair vendetta against Andy McDowell because she's played two horribly written characters. I think she's probably a talented actress. I don't want to see her in this. Yeah. I don't um, think she's a talented actress. My, I think she's horrible. My, my interest leads me to Gina Davis. Gina Davis would probably be my top pick out of that. Yeah. But I'm not, go, replacing, not over to me more. No. Meg would probably be my pick. Yeah. You like anybody over there? Meh. <laughs> uh, Eddie Murphy became upset with his agent after he found out his agent turned down Ghost without even letting him know he was being offered the Sam Wheat role. Whoa. He was offered the role, hey? Was he, was he upset at the time, or was he upset after the movie made a bazillion dollars? Probably after the movie made a bazillion dollars. Yeah, I bet. When it, came, when it came time to cast the film, writer Bruce Joel Rubin suggested Patrick Swayze for the role of Sam Wheat. The makers screened Swayze's movie Roadhouse, but director Jerry Zucker felt that Swayze was completely wrong for the part. Mm -hmm. Some actors that were up for the role, Kevin Bacon, Alec Baldwin, Nicolas Cage, Kevin Costner, Johnny Depp, Mel Gibson, Tom Hanks, there it is. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who Paul Hogan is. No. Mm -hmm. Crocodile Dundee. Huh. Oh, jeez. That's my um, wife. Kevin Klein, Dennis Quaid, Mickey Rourke, John Travolta, and Bruce Willis were all offered the part. Uh, Tom Cruise and Harrison Ford turned the role down. Wow. Harrison Ford would have been good. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that's all we got. Cool. Uh, closing credits. Sam, would you watch this movie again? Absolutely. Definitely. I had a lot of fun. Me too. I love this movie. Would you recommend this movie to friends? Yes, I would. 100%. So e would I. Even the ones who think they're really macho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, mushy? I'm sad yeah. that I've waited so long to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. I know. You could have had all this joy in your life. I know. Sam, MVP of the film. Demi Moore. Nice. Mushy. Uh, Patrick Swayze's abs. Nice. I'm just kidding. Oda <laughs> Mae Brown. You're going Whoopi? Yeah. Me too. Um, like I say every episode, <laughs> fast becoming one of my favorite parts of this show. Sam, recommend a good double feature with this film. Okay, we discussed this off air. We're all cheating and choosing a second one as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because this is too fun to only have just one. Okay. Uh, they're like Lay's potato chips. Mushy... I mean, the first one's really for both of you, 
partially for Manny and partially a recommendation. If you want some Swayze sexiness. Holy shit. Manny, what should she watch? Roadhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the only criterion for watching the movie, you should watch Roadhouse. If you want anything else good in the movie, probably skip it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, I'm, I'm a happy boy right now. <laughs> I knew you would be. My real recommendation, um, dealing with grief and the afterlife and loss and separation. Um, another good one from later in the 90s is The Sixth Sense. Ooh. Okay. Wow. Mushy. Um, so, yes, I as well have two. I went one, like, this is like a romantic thriller with a bit of comedy. Um, the flip side for the, the actual rom-com, I went with Just Like Heaven with Reese Witherspoon and, oh, and Mark, Banner. Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's kind of the, the flip of it um, okay. with a little rom-com. Um, but then to have more of like that serious feel, the, the grief, the longing, the love, um, I went with Meet Joe Black. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> I love that movie. Is that so a favorite much. of yours? Oh, 100%. I've never seen it. Don't. No. <laughs> so good. Sam won't like it. No. Or would you? I don't know. Meet Joe Black is so good. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. So Pass. you... You were worried that we might have the same. I knew that we wouldn't. So, um, I have two films as well, and both of them are both thematically uh, connected to this film. They are both about uh, one actually is about the loss of a loved one, um, and it's a movie that I like, despite it being, I'm pretty sure, critically panned. And even a lot of people don't even like this movie either. Um, it's one of Spielberg's uh, lesser-liked films, and it's a movie called Always, um, starring Richard Dreyfuss, um, Holly Hunter, and John Goodman. Mm. Um, the movie is about a um, a pilot who, like a smoker pilot, that, that drops the fire retardant in, in forest fires. There's no spoiler. Uh, he dies. And he leaves his loved Holly Hunter behind, but he doesn't go to heaven. He has to, his job before he gets to pass on, he has to become the inspiration. So in this movie, you are a ghost. You can't physically, but you can, when he talks, he can inspire you to do things. Hmm. So there are some funny scenes where he uses his power to amuse himself as he gets some people to do some things that make him laugh, but then he he um, he has to inspire this one up-and-coming pilot to become better than what he's probably capable mm-hmm. of without him. I, I think it's a beautiful film, um, but a lot of people find it very cheesy and, and hokey, and I can understand that. But As is it, often a criticism levied at, uh, at yeah. Spielberg. Um, it's a movie I've always loved, and I recently bought the DVD, and I, I just filled me with joy to watch it again. Uh, the other movie I'll recommend with, as a double feature, um, I should have found out the year. Uh, it's called City of Angels. It is uh, a movie about the afterlife. Uh, Nicholas pa- Cage plays an angel. Um, yeah. 98. Thank you. Uh, he plays an angel who falls in love with a human, played by Meg Ryan. And he decides to fall to Earth. So he gives up his immortality and becomes human. And they meet and fall in love, and things occur. 
Have you seen it? Nope. No. With Andre Brower. Yes. Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan. Yeah. I love me some Captain Holt. Um, okay. Another aspect that I've added into this. Uh, we've all picked two films. So we have a, a three film. A triple feature. We have a triple feature. Pick the order that you're making people watch it in. Sam, you get to go first. This one feels really... Hold on. I know what I'm starting with for sure. Yeah, I know. So do I. <laughs> know what I'm, As uh, you should. It kind of depends. Okay. So if this is a movie night at Manny's house, okay. I'm not bringing any beers over. So Roadhouse leads. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to Ghost and then Sixth Sense. Okay. Think of it this way as you are managing a movie theater. I'm man. Oh, a movie theater? A movie theater. Okay. So really the triple prim- feature. Really the primary driver of the order in this case is how drunk am I by the time Roadhouse comes on? Because <laughs> if I'm stone cold sober, it goes first. Okay. If I'm wasted, we can wait till it's last. Okay. <laughs> so no matter what, it's not the middle feature. It's not the middle feature, no. Okay. I'm going to say stone cold sober at a movie theater. We're going Roadhouse, Ghost, Sixth Sense. I like that order. Yeah. Mushy, what are you going with with yours? Um, just like heaven, meet Joe Black, ghost. Nice. Whew. I'm gonna go. City of Angels, always ghost. Mm. Yeah, that's how I'm gonna go. Um, Sam, what will be this film's legacy? Uh, is it the pottery scene? Is yeah. it? Yeah. Is it the pottery scene? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes, it is. <laughs> It is 100%. Do you think anything? I think it's the song. Unchained Melody. Yep. And okay. the pottery scene. Yes. I definitely, when I hear Unchained Melody. I think of the pottery. I don't, yep. I don't go, this is Unchained Melody. I, I go, this, this is, is that song from Ghost. Yeah. So, okay. okay. Unchained Melody and the pottery scene. That Those are great answers. Um, did you learn anything from this movie? Three words. Love transcends death. Oh, fuck Ooh. you. He's always so good at this fucking section. <laughs> What do you got? Mine's a lot less corny. Um, don't cheat your friends for four million unless you want to get haunted and go to hell. <laughs> You're fucking corny. Wow. <laughs> Here's mine. Ghost is about living your life for the moment because that's all you've got. If you don't communicate with the people you love, you set yourself up for an incredible pain if you lose them. Aww. Very nice. Sam, your final thoughts. On Ghost. Yeah, a uh, very pleasant surprise. It had been a long time since I'd seen any portion of Ghost, let alone, uh, let alone the entire thing. I think I'd, I'd never really seen the entire thing. And uh, boy, was I floored by the performances in the movie, how moved I was emotionally by a lot of it. Uh, the genuine sexiness of the pottery scene, which I had only really experienced on an ironic level before this. Uh, all of it worked so well. Um yeah, great performances throughout. Solid screenplay with uh, with a couple of hokey uh, special effects to get over in the middle there. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall, this is a super enjoyable experience, and I would absolutely watch this again. Awesome. Mushy. Yeah, I agree. Um, honestly, I do feel a little guilty for refusing to watch this movie in the past um i had a great time with it i was very pleasantly surprised um it wasn't a movie that i got bored with um i watched it from start to finish and i almost wanted to just turn it on and watch it again oh i love that yeah that's how much fun i had with it um whoopi's character just made the whole movie it 
her character put it up a little bow on top and, and made it the perfect present. So yeah, I definitely would recommend this movie to anybody that hasn't seen it. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you. Oh, awesome. I, uh, I was going to add as well on the note of wanting to watch it again. When I mentioned that Emma didn't get to watch it with me, if she if tomorrow she was like, you want to watch Ghost since we didn't get a chance to, the answer would be yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this movie. I've always loved this movie, even though I had to deny it a little bit in my early teenage years because it was a chick flick, so I couldn't admit that I liked it. I wasn't I wasn't comfortable enough in my own masculinity to, to admit it when I was a young teenage boy. Um, but I've always loved this movie, and watching it again just filled me with joy. Uh, and I'll be honest, uh, like I said at this at the top of the show, I was pretty sure Mushy was going to like it. It makes me so happy that you did as well, Sam. Um, while it is fun when we have contradictory opinions on a film, it actually makes me more happy when we both love a movie. Yeah. Uh, I'll happily watch this again now that uh, now that we've reviewed it for the podcast. It's open season for me. Uh, the sad part is is that I also fill my movie watch list with a bunch of movies for stupid reasons, but uh, <laughs> I hope to uh, to revisit this movie again uh, soon. Time to give this movie a rating. Sam, what you got for me? Easy four out of five for me over here. Oh, I fucking love it. Mushy. Ooh, I'm doing a three and a half out of five. You can't. Not on the podcast. Yes, I can. <laughs> nope. But <laughs> with the exception of bumping it to a four on a rewatch. So it's a four. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not a three because it, I, yeah, it's way better than a three. All right. That makes it a four. Okay. Uh, it's a four for me as well. Easy four. Um, yeah. I absolutely love this movie. Uh, Sam, what's going on next week? Next week, uh, we are going to be talking about, in episode 258, Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. With uh, with special guest Jordan Spires. Yeah. Making her approximately one billionth appearance on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam, you haven't seen. I have. You? This is not one I claim to have seen even a single piece of. I'm, I have not seen this. Okay. So, you have the title. Tell me what the plot of Kindergarten Cop is. Okay, so I'm vaguely aware of this film's existence. Okay. If I was to guess, yeah. I'm going to say it's it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm pretty confident in that fact. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, from context, I'm just going to go on a limb and say um, he's undercover as a kindergarten teacher trying to solve dot, 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 a murder? Okay. Question mark? All right. Yeah. Undercover as a kindergarten teacher trying to solve a murder. Okay. Have you seen this, Mushy? I have seen this. Okay, sweet. Perfect. Um, I guess we'll find out next week after you watch it how close you were. I guess uh, so. In your plot. It, I, it's one of my favorite things we do is when he tries <laughs> to guess the plot and then we play it back the next week for him That's after he's really seen cool. the movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, before we sign off, of course, we have to thank one of my closest friends, Mushhead, for coming on yet again for her third time. Aww. A little bit of pressure. Well, I shouldn't say pressure. No. It's a different experience going on for one you haven't seen before, I think. Yeah, right? I, th- I like this. I enjoyed it. It was super fun. And, I mean, I was super busy these last couple of weeks, so it, I enjoyed the fact that I got to watch it so close leading up to coming on to the podcast. Yep. So, yeah, I really I had a lot Perfect. of fun. Well, 
as always, it's an open door. I know. So you get to come back again. And if you wait too long, I'm just going to tell you I'm like, when you're coming back on. Yeah. And then we'll pick something for you. Perfect. Wicked. No, this was great. Thanks thanks so much for coming on. It's always uh, always a delight. Yeah. <laughs> this was a good one. This was I feel actually, like you guys are lying, but. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, well, you know I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I really did. I, you touched on this earlier. The fact that all of us, like, I know you had seen this a bunch of times, but I didn't know how I was going to feel about this movie. You obviously mm-hmm. hadn't seen it before. Uh, the fact that we all just liked it and got yeah. to got to kind of be surprised, but also just talk about a movie we really liked is, man, it just feels good. It does. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. 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 The I world agree. need. It's like Ted Lasso. It's oh. positivity. Oh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review, it does increase the profile of our podcast, allows more people to find us, which we desperately need. You can also give us a rating on Spotify. Speaking of Spotify, we post a question on every episode. Please, if you answer the question, I promise to read it on air. I check them every week, and I will read them on air when you post them. Uh, you can also follow us on Letterbox at Manny42 and Sam Reimer. And what's yours? I have no idea. I think it's awesome. <laughs> Celestials? Yes. I want to say that's one of those. Yeah. I don't follow myself, so I don't know. <laughs> so much like right there to not know your own name. Sam's looking it up if you want to follow Mushhead's incredibly bad taste in film. Shut this up. is the best way. You, I called yeah. you the queen of bad taste, and you agreed with me. It's not my fault. Celeste <laughs> underscore I-A-L-S. Yeah. Yeah. There you Celestials. go. Perfect. Uh, you can email us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at sam underscore manny underscore movie. For the Samuel Emanuel Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manny. Adios! My darling, I've hungered for your touch along. In time goes by so slow.